2: The Rat Pack was a legendary group of entertainers that included Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin, Joey Bishop, and Peter Lawford. They were America's first supergroup and crossover stars who were the absolute epitome of cool from the late 1950s to the mid-1960s. They made movies, recorded music, performed on stage, drank booze and chased broads. Usually all in the same day and all while wearing a suit. The Rat Pack also influenced the world around them. They helped turn Las Vegas into a destination, took on racial segregation years before the civil rights movement, and played an important role in getting John F. Kennedy elected president. On today's sophisticated episode of Prisoners of Rock and Roll, we're going to enjoy ourselves a nice glass of Jack Daniels. We're talking about the men who put Vegas on the map. This story is a wild one that includes celebrity scandals, speakeasies, the mob, and the assassination of a president. McCusker's Cocktail Lounge and Casino is proud to introduce a look at the Rat Pack with the prisoners of rock and roll. Please welcome Doug McCusker, Ryan McCusker, and Bruce Kramer, featuring the Rob Owens Orchestra. Fly.
3: That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April shot down in May, but I know I'm gonna change that tune, when I'm back on top, back on top in June, I said that's life.
4: All right, all right, ring-a-ding-ding, Jicky Baby.
2: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Prisoners of Rock and Roll, episode 14. So tonight, we are talking about the Rat Pack. Man, this is a crazy story. Man, but it's a lot of class. This was something that um I think all three of us we wound up doing more research into this than any other topic we've done so so far. Just so interesting. You know, five different guys, you know.
0: They all have a story.
2: Really fascinating fascinating story, man. Each one of them have their own have their own unique tale, and uh, like we said in the monologue, the, the some of the the way they influenced the world is just crazy. They they influence politics and fashion and, and everything else. There's so many themes here. I guess they were really rock stars in their own ways. It's
4: so like a huge part of like popular culture, even through our lives growing up. Like we always had that background of Sinatra and the Rat Pack. Yeah, let's uh, let's name the Rat Pack, the famous Rat Pack. Anyway, it's Frank Sinatra.
0: Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Joey Bishop, and Peter Lawford.
2: And probably not everybody who's listening to us knows. I mean, everybody knows Sinatra, and you know Dean, Dean Martin, Martin, and you know Sammy Davis Jr., and the other two guys you don't know that much about. Maybe you do. But, um, you know, I think the way we're going to tackle this is we're going to talk a little bit about the Rat Pack and who they were and what they meant. And then we're going to take a step back, and we're going to walk you through a little bit a story on each one of these gentlemen. And, uh, you know, at some point, they all kind of cross over. You know, I, before we do that, i got to say, gentlemen, that the tuxedos that you guys are wearing tonight look thank you. fantastic. Thank you, thank you, the job you guys did at the bar, too, putting the balloons up. Ryan, I don't even know where you found the white tuxedo. You look yeah, like Humphrey Bogart. That.
0: Dude, um... I wore this at my prom. <laughs> yeah, you did. You, you know, and... um, And it still I, fits. That's amazing. It is, it is amazing. Humphrey Bogart's one of my favorite celebrities of all time. So I figured I'd go Casablanca style.
4: And it's, it's funny about that. So did the Rat Pack start with Humphrey Bogart? It did. It was one of his
0: little groups that he had of celebrities. They, you know, they were they were... A Pack of guys, you know, actually, it wasn't just guys, there was a bunch of dames in there, too. <laughs> dames, but
4: um, yeah, I think it wasn't like Errol Flynn, Nat King Cole, Mickey, Mickey Rooney, Rooney, Jerry Lewis, and Cesar Romero, they were all part of the yeah, original but, rat pack, right? yeah,
0: absolutely. And also, um, Judy Garland was a big part of the rat pack, of the original rat pack,
4: Elizabeth
2: Taylor, Katherine Hepburn, they were all like hanging out i guess
4: what a crowd what a crowd yeah they I even think... had like a coat of arms yeah at one time it was like a uh a rat gnawing on a human hand through the groups with motto was the rat never rats on a rat or something yeah like never that. rat on a rat
2: yeah, yeah. so i guess and there's a couple of different stories of where the name the rat pack came from but one of the famous ones was that humphrey bogart and all of his friends went out on a bender for a couple days and they came home and they're hanging out in his house and humphrey bogart's uh Wife Lauren Bacall walked in and just said, "You guys look like a goddamn Rat Pack <laughs> they're all hung over later." <laughs> yeah. And the name kind of stuck. And then I guess after um, Bogart, when Humphrey Bogart passed away, Sinatra kind of becomes the guy of mm. of the Rat Pack, and then makes it his own his own thing. It was kind of funny, like the 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 Rat Pack as we know them. Uh, before they were the Rat Pack, they were called the Clan. Which kind of fell out of favor because yeah, of the, yeah. the Sammy, the wrong you know? the,
4: the different clan and then um, or the summit the summit and I think the Rat Pack as you know Sinatra and then the rest of the gentlemen in that and his crew they never refer to themselves as a the Rat Pack yeah Sinatra said he hated it yeah he no, didn't like it they
0: uh you know
4: it was they were called the Summit or like like, like when you guys
0: said like the Clan but they were too cool for a name. I agree with that. You know, I, de-
4: I definitely agree. They with were that. too cool for a name. Um, There's just guys, a bunch of friends getting together. You know, they didn't bunch, have a name for it in the beginning. You know, they just man, evolved into that, I guess. Yeah. They were just a bunch of classy guys that. A bunch you, of talented guys. Talented, classy guys.
2: Yeah. I mean, they're they really the first super group in. Okay, okay. Okay. And they're there they're you like go. the traveling wheelbudders. Yeah, yeah, yeah all right. right. And they were and they're they're crossover stars, right? Because they made I never movies thought of these and they made um, They danced, they yeah. sang, they They did like comedy, they yeah. did all this stuff. And a lot of improv. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're so synonymous with Vegas too. Like they they really had a huge role in making vegas like a thing like a destination
0: i guess we'll get into that we start telling the story of all yeah. these guys but it's crazy yeah you know they made vegas um not so much what it is now but what it first idea was was the glamour and the of uh, the the glitter and everything it was very classy uh you see movies like casino
4: they kind of touch on how the how classy it was um, they set the idea, like the standard for what Vegas should be. Yeah, you know, this is why people want to go fly to Vegas. They, and not even like these movies that they made or whatever. You know, I'm sure Vegas was like, well, we're going to build off of this, build off this persona of this swanky like nightclub. You know, one night you can be walking down through the casino and see Dean Martin like uh, dealing blackjack. Yeah, they, they had a uh, Vegas had a hard time where it started. It didn't really start picking up
0: until. Frank and the boys were going out there making a, you know, making a big sound at the Sands Casino. You know, this the scene out of Godfather, when Michael says to the singer, you know, maybe you and your friends can come and play. That's totally Frank Sinatra Yeah. the Sands studio, uh, Sands casinos. That was their headquarters. That was their clubhouse was the Sands.
2: The Copa Room at the Sands. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I guess yeah, we'll get into that, like – you know, Vegas gets put on the map, and it has a lot of money from investors, and it has a lot of money from the mob. Sure, and then they decide that they need people—you know—a reason to draw people out there to spend their money and gamble. And the mob had some ties to Sinatra, and they—and and he that's, was the biggest star. on yeah, the planet that's that kinda time. Yeah, that's kind of how they get him out there. But I mean, before we start diving into this, man, let's let's kind of talk a little bit about, like, I don't know, at their peak. So they, they convinced the studios they're shooting Ocean's Eleven, mm-hmm. right? And they're in the movie that they're all in, and it really starts their career. And it's a movie about Vegas. Thanks. Yeah. And they were shooting that during the day. And then at night, they were doing two shows at the Sands. And then after that, they were, most of them were going out all night and doing their doing their thing
4: that's a that's a rough paper route i can yeah imagine. No, and they're guys, out
0: they're partying Yeah, you know, they're they're yeah. they're running around with
2: dames and they said like those shows that week the, the stretch of shows that they did at the Sands. they said every single hotel room in vegas was booked you couldn't get a room to see them they said people
4: were like sitting out in their car waiting to see them pull in yeah people couldn't find hotel rooms so they were sleeping in their cars just to, to go to the show yeah that's what i meant you know yeah, and, it was um, a,
0: it was an epic show. I
4: wonder if, if any, you know, this is like before the Beatles, this is before Elvis, this is before a lot of big acts. Do you think anybody ever slept in their car, like drove to Vegas and slept in their car to go see, lucky enough to get a ticket to the show? To, to yeah. anybody and at you're that talking, time. You're not yeah. talking about big arenas here. You're talking about little cocktail latches, yeah. you know? Yeah, they, they said that like i
2: guess by the by the end or at the peak of that they said like over a million people a year were going to Vegas just because they wanted to see these guys it's yeah. just it's amazing and you know and, and everything they had their own language you know with like dames and broads and all that other kind of stuff yeah. and you know they they always did it wearing a suit yeah. you know, you, you never even saw them without a tie or maybe if they had their tie loosened a little bit that was as yeah. casual as they yeah. got yeah, now now it's not the
0: the slobs going out to Vegas in yeah. their flip flops. Yeah, it's totally different. Yeah. I've never been to Vegas, but if if Vegas was still way of like Ocean's Eleven, the I'd be out there.
4: Yeah, in a heartbeat. I, I've been there twice. Uh, I've always said to you, I think you would you would like it. I've um, been there twice. I'm not a gambler. I'm not this. I'm not that. But. but- I love Vegas, but they you know weed's legal there, so I think I would have a there's, really a, lot good time. Yeah. There. there's a lot of things that are legal out there.
2: There's a lot of there's a vice for everybody. there's a reason why people go Vegas. out to
4: Vegas and they have that slogan what happens if Vegas stays in Vegas? Oh, I gotta go out there big Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right so they are the epitome of cool. hang on let me let me flag down the, the cocktail broad here to get another Jack Daniels. I'm yeah, actually hang drinking on a I'm actually drinking my Jack Daniels the way Sinatra drank it so he had a what it was a four fingers of Jack Daniels, a splash of water and four ice cubes so in a glass.
0: And he likes to punch somebody in the face. As punch the him in the head.
2: right, punch him in the mouth. So Yeah, chicky baby. All right, I got my cocktail, I got my highball glass.
0: You know, the rat pack they ruled Vegas, man. Here's five guys that never finished high school and overcame everything of the disadvantage with talent. Bogard made Sinatra part of his own crew, the Rat Pack. You know, a lot of people came out and saw the Rat Pack. Um, At one point, JFK came out and saw those guys perform. And so Star studded every night, every night. Um, They were, like you said, they were filming Ocean's Eleven during the day. And they were partying, gigging at night. It must have been magical. It was like a scene. Like, it was a place to be. And even the guy, I mean, the lesser known
2: guys in there, like Joey Bishop and Peter Lawford, they even on their own have a really interesting story about
4: their lives. They yeah. all have. They all have like their own stories in here. Like you get like it is. It is a real shame that people just break it down to the three guys. They three main guys, right? You know, like yeah. Sinatra, Dean Martin, and Sammy Davis Jr. But they, all all five of these guys have tremendous like uh, careers before this.
2: And yeah. there's there's so much just. Tragedy in this story too, just like a lot of good
0: times comes with a lot of bad things. Yeah, like
2: all five of them have have sad moments in their lives. It's really, it's really a crazy story, man. It's
0: but you guys were talking about how people were sleeping in their cars and doing whatever they could to see this gig. It said thirty four thousand people went to Vegas for four weeks stretch of shows. 34,000 people went to go see them or tried to see them at one
4: point. W- like you said, how many held well, probably about 1300. Sure. Yeah. You know? And it was crazy. Like they would have on the cas- different casinos cause they're playing different like casinos on the strip. They would have like Sammy Davis Jr. Playing the Flamingo and it would say maybe Dean, maybe Frank, you know, cause it, these guys would just show up at this, you know, Show up to these shows and just do this improv thing because these guys were tight.
2: Yeah, if one of them were playing somewhere, chances are pretty good that the other ones are going to show up to support them. Could you imagine and all that improv too stuff?
4: Like, you know, Sinatra was already making movies at the time. Dean Martin was a rock star before any of this. He's probably like just as big as Sinatra. And you just walk into a club and you see these things that you just you've seen on a movie screen. And there they are right in front of you. Yeah, and like, then you know you didn't have like social media back then. You didn't have it like like not necessarily force fed you, but you didn- couldn't go to your phone when he says like you only had so many outlets to see your favorite singer, your favorite star, and there they are in front of you. I, th- that amazes me. Like
2: and that's a great point because you know, even as we were doing the research for this, there's not a lot of video. Of them no. together, right? There's like the one yeah. TV special that they did. There's one with um, Johnny Carson instead Johnny of Joey Carson looked like he's out of yeah. this
0: league, man. But you're
2: right. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't filmed. Yeah. It what that wasn't a thing back then. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, Dean Martin was an absolute star from his thing with with Jerry Lewis. Frank Sinatra was like, the most popular singer and the most popular actor in the country. You know, he was, like, both. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you got just those two together coming together, and then the other three, it's just, you can't understate how monumental that was as a culture movement at that time.
0: You gotta call Sinatra to come back, kid.
2: Absolutely. You know,
0: know, man, he's faced a lot of overcomes in his life starting with when he was born sinatra was born december 12th 1915 i know his mom was a midwife i know <clears throat> the father was a firefighter at one point he was a bar owner at owned one a point. bar yeah
4: sinatra's mother had a lot to do with politics mm-hmm. all right so sinatra's like background like you know his mother was like a really strong woman when they owned
0: the bar the bar was called marty o'brien's it was mob you know, if mm. you call it, it the, the initials, it was mob, Marty O'Brien's. They said, you know, if you're going to open a bar, you have to name it after an Irish name. It sounds like somebody else we know said that, too. Yeah. You know, um, at one point, Sinatra was a boxer. He had to use an Irish name. He, it, actually, his boxing name was
4: Marty O'Brien. So I guess his father named the bar after his boxing <laughs> name. Possibly. Yeah, let's go back to Sinatra's mother real fast. Like, she was an immigrant from uh, Italy. Her name was Dolly. She was like a really strong woman for, you know, what women did those days. She was a, like a big activist against about how Italian Americans were raced upon. Like they were treated like they were second class citizens. Yeah, and people really looked up to her. No, they really looked up to her. A lot of people listened to her too. Yeah. Um, and his father was like a fireman.
0: Her father did a lot. His father did a lot of things. At one point, like we were saying, he owned a bar. Mm. But. Ultimately, he became a firefighter, yeah, I think he was fire chief um I'm not sure about that, yeah but yeah, I'm sure he went up high in the ranks
2: and when his when his dad owned the bar, Frank Sinatra would go down there and sing along with the player yeah. piano, yeah, and one was a to- young
0: kid you know growing up in the bar, I know what it's like to be a young kid in the bar, you know it's it's kind of embarrassing to a point because everybody's making paying attention to you They would put Frank up on this on this piano. And it start ripping out songs, and he hears this little kid singing, you know. And what was it? he made a nickel or a dime? He's like, "This is the racket to be in."
2: Yeah, he really idolized Bing Crosby. Who we talked a little bit about mm-hmm. in our Christmas yeah. episode. And he wanted to, he wanted to sing like Bing Crosby.
0: Yeah, very passionate about learning how to sing. Sinatra even took singing lessons. He uh, dropped out of school, made his parents really pissed off about that. Um, His dad went, went nothing but have, has his son to have an education. His first singing group that he was in was called the Hoboken Four. They did like a little, little tour around America. They were getting little hits here and there. But Frank, you know, ultimately wanted it to be a solo artist. Yeah,
2: his mom convinced this group called the Three Flashes to let him in. And... You know, he became the fourth member, so they became the Hoboken Four. And the other guy said they let him in because he had a car and he could drive <laughs> him around. But um, at the same
4: time, Sinatra got thrown out of his house when he was seventeen years old. Yeah, like, he was yeah. absolutely. But it was different times back then. You know, you were a man yeah. by then.
2: So, so that they went on like a um uh, a show called the Major Bows Amateur Hour, and they were a hit, and that kind of like propels them. And I guess the the audience was really impressed with Sinatra, mm-hmm. and that helps vault him forward.
4: Now, is this before they like before we start the show? You guys were talking about like you know he had to go out and buy a microphone, and
0: yeah, um, first before he sang into a microphone, he he had um, a megaphone like you see like an old time cheerleader have, right, right, and he would sing out of that. You know, all the booze hounds would. Take pennies and try to get, throw, it in, throw it inside of him, so he he would have to move around it. with it around, you know. But he came up with about sixty something dollars, and he bought had a little little amp and a microphone, and it changed was a game changer for him. Can you yeah. imagine?
2: And we've talked a lot about like like technology, how that plays into like you know moving forward, musicians, whether it's the uh, you know the amp breaking and Sun Records and all this other stuff. And he said like he's also starting to uh, his career's taking off as like. Radios are going into homes and jukeboxes are a thing, and phonographs are becoming popular. And I guess before, like the microphone and amp, it was like the singer would get drowned out. Maybe that's why, like, a lot of big band music doesn't have a vocalist because you can't hear them over this stuff.
0: But like you see, some like some of those old footage. Um, see how powerful Sinatra's voice yeah. is to sing on top of all those horns and drums and everything, and he's coming out as clear as day.
2: Yeah, and he's not yelling, so they no, like he's able no. to use his full vocal range, while other singers at the time were trying to shout over somebody, and it doesn't sound as
4: good. But that's why Sinatra, like by himself. like When we were doing research for a show, I reached out to my friend in Philly, Mark Chicky Baby, and he's you know just. Kept on emphasizing like the projection of Sinatra's voice and the the, like what notes he can hit. He was a master, dude. He's an unreal vocalist. So, you know, was he's probably the best at the time, you know, like best of all time.
2: He said he would, um, he would go swimming and train like holding his breath, swimming underwater because he wanted to be able to hold those notes really, really long. And he practiced uh holding the mic a certain way and moving it away from his mouth and closer so he could depending on what he was singing yeah. about he would raise the intensity of his voice and it was like he's using it like an instrument
0: it's it's really cool yeah, i never knew how i never gave Snatcher credit until like a few years ago and i saw how he was such a great singer he was such a great singer that he wrote a book about singing he did yeah he did you know how to make the
4: the lips move how to how to make syllables how to you know i wish i had that book yeah he uh he did a recording of this song old man river and it's really popular uh recording that he did and it really uh shows out you know the the levels of projection that his voice could do he hits like a low e at one point and then he hits a like i i'm not gonna get totally nerd out on this and he he climbs the level within like two measures and it's Dude, it's impressive. It's crazy. It's like, his range. He's, he's, I don't think he necessarily gets the credit for that, you know?
0: When you're around for so long, I think, you know, your credit wears off. It's like, oh, you're just taking it you're for just, granted.
4: But then you, just, you get that thing like, oh, well, you have another r sound. Like, oh, you sound like Sinatra. Like you said with the Bruce earlier, you said, like, oh, you know, how do you move the microphone, this and that. That's something you saw him do throughout his whole career, even, like, toward the end of it. And you take it for granted. I mean, I think
2: a lot of this, man, it's like, you just... I, I don't know, man. I don't know how people think. Like, when you think of him, like, he's Frank Sinatra. Okay. Like, he's this iconic voice. But do you really know that people really know that, like, he had all these ups and downs in his careers or some of the really, sure. there's some dark shit in this? There, yeah. There's some dark stuff in I this mean,
0: story. But just, he was stillborn at the beginning of his life. He his mom had difficulty giving him birth. So he was basically stillborn. Yeah, his he, grandmom took him into the into the, into the kitchen and ran him under cold water.
2: Yeah, they said like when he was born he was like blue and the doctor just kinda like uh and like put him down and yeah. went to attend to his mom. Yeah. And his, his grandmom grabbed him and he has um he has a scar on his face from like scar face
4: as a kid yeah trying to trying to get him out of his mom's womb yeah it's crazy and that ultimately let red led to him not being able to serve in the military in world war Two yeah well a lot of people call him like a draft dodger and this, yeah we'll get to this that. and that but you know but sinatra you know
0: he was with the hoboken four he got homesick real fast and wanted to Get out of! There. He wanted to go solo. He he moved back home. Like Doug said, his father kicked him out. Basically said, you know, you got to go out on your own. You're you're grown up. Go do your thing. So Sinatra moved to New York. Um, before you know it, he had a break. He had a he, he got a regular gig at a place called the Rustic Cabin. Um, the Rustic Cabin had a local radio show was broadcast there every night. Frank had a group was on the radio every night at from 11 to 11:15. 11. Right off the bat, he's successful. He's on the radio, he's getting a name for himself.
2: And I would imagine too, if this is the time where radios are starting to come into your home, there's probably not a whole lot of like options. It's not like we watch no. TV now and there's 7,000 no, different there's things like. Yeah. So if he's on, he's he's in everybody's home.
0: Yeah, you know, he was so successful that they put him on at night now. He he had a show in the morning. And then he had a show at night, like after he was playing Rust the Cabin, that he like rushed over to the, another studio to sing at night with Diane Shaw. They would have a little little set. So here's Frank singing in a little club at night and he's on the radio from eleven to eleven fifteen and then jumps in the car and goes all the way up to Manhattan and jumps on the radio at like at midnight.
2: So we're talking this is like the nineteen thirties. Yes. This is going on. Yeah. Now. I guess in '41 he wins Billboard's like Best Male Vocalist, and I think that starts like a string of like several years in a row mm-hmm. that he wins that award. But all the guys in the country are off fighting the war, and all the women are home listening look, Sinatra, to him, and he, yeah. he he's like he's also one of the first like sex
4: symbols Short. in music. You know, he's
0: Man, you go back and you P. watch
4: you had nothing on him, no. dude. And he played like he was just playing on Broadway. Like you know, it was if you've seen some of the footage of that. Girls are just going bananas over him, like sold out houses yeah. on the street. They
0: like- would wait, like they would get there like four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And it said the line would wrap around the corner. He said, Sinatra said he one day he did five shows in one day. Sure. Yeah, he really changed the game up with his his vocal stylings. Um, of course, there was Bing Crosby out at the time. I mean, even Frank idolized Bing at the beginning but you know he was with tommy dorsey for a while and he was like why why wouldn't i want to do this for myself like why am i playing with this guy when of course i'm the draw i'm the guy so you know first he says to tommy dorsey i went out of my contract and tommy kind of laughs at him kind of whatever. Right, you're out of your mind and then like six months later sinatra comes back and he says no really i want to get and he's like get the it's like you're here to stay buddy It's like you ain't going nowhere get comfortable so, you know, you know the story, Sinatra. Everybody says he, he got the mob, got, a, got him to get, get him out of his contract, but Neil really got him out of the contract was a lawyer,
1: mm-hmm.
0: a big shot lawyer. Dorsey, Dorsey got a pretty good deal when, when Frank left him. For the rest of Frank's life, he's going to get one third of Sinatra's salary no for the rest of his life. No kidding. Wow. I never heard that. Yeah. And well, that, that's what he had to do to get out of the contract. Wow. Right after he got out of Dorsey, um, Sinatra um, started playing the Paramount Theater. He sold out um, like four nights in a row on just out of nowhere, just being in nobody. He was doing so well at the Paramount Theater, he got an offer to open New Year's Eve for Betty Goodman. And also, they're, they're playing a Bing Crosby movie. So all of a sudden, here's this skinny Italian guy going from rags to riches he's on the radio one day and the next day he's opening new year's eve for benny goodman
2: and benny goodman doesn't even know who frank sinatra was and he was like yeah okay and then sinatra takes a stage and all the girls go crazy sure and benny goodman's like what is going on and it's that right what is that and it's like it's the same reaction as like elvis going on tv or the beatles but it's 1940
0: no Benny know? goodman never heard a scream like that he legendary turned around to the band and said what the fuck was that <laughs> it's it like startled him
2: yeah it's it's 22 years before elvis goes
4: on ed sullivan and and it's like do you think that was like the first of its t- like reaction like that like a fan reaction where people just scream their heads off i the don't bobby, know but- the bobby socks yeah like you think of it like okay he's 22 years before elvis you had Benny Goodman before Sinatra. Yeah, maybe yeah, you know, back. You know, maybe
0: there was opera singers. There, maybe they had groupies for opera singers. I don't know. But you know,
2: and the only thing I could think of, man, that like even reference this is like Looney Tunes commercial, uh, cartoons, because they would have the guy exactly. that looked like Sinatra, yeah. and the girls would, the chickens would like, yeah, 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 fawn and yeah. fall over, and even, the microphone, would melt. even yeah, the microphone yeah. would melt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, and I don't, I don't, I, I don't know if that's been like people know that that people like in the 40s people were going
0: nuts they were going ape shit over him. yeah
4: but the, you know elvis gets that like people were like oh my god like people are going like with the whole the female fan part of all this people were like couldn't really understand this and fan elvis did anybody try to ban sinatra because of like what he made young girls think yeah they was called the fbi <laughs> and they
2: said that he i mean he really puts an end to like Big band music yeah. without without yeah. a vocalist. Yeah.
0: So he plays New Year's Eve with Benny Goodman, and he just kills it. Benny Goodman comes out, he plays Sing, 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 tears up the crowd. And then once Frank Sinatra comes out, everybody goes apeshit. And the girls are screaming so hard. Well, after he had that successful radio show, that New Year's, he sold out two weeks at the Paramount Theater. Then he would do his radio show again at night. Um, so, so this
2: th- is this is... What, the early 40s that this is going on? So, I mean, I don't know what a ticket at the Paramount cost, but I'd imagine a lot of people didn't have a lot of money for like entertainment stuff going on during the war, right? Everybody's, yeah, you got ration coupons and all that other kind of stuff and people are still flocking <laughs> like to see there it. was
0: a girl in the in interview she's like we didn't have bread on the shelf but we had money to go to the sinatra concerts
4: i think at a lot of time they had these radio shows playing on, i'm sorry they had these shows playing on the radios at at like on friday nights and saturday nights so you would have access to it, but seeing it live yeah would be completely absolutely different you know? let's play a tune
2: yeah man what do you want to hear let's play luck be a lady luck be a lady is one of my favorite sinatra songs
3: You might forget your manners You might refuse to stay And so the best that I can do Is pray Luck be
4: Like you can just see that like here, just for example, for that song, even though it's a later recording than what we're talking about, just his range that he he he, he climbs and, and falls.
2: Like right before the band comes yeah, in. Yeah.
4: Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah,
2: and I guess we'll we should point out some of the songs that we're we're gonna play throughout the show, not necessarily tied to the time that we're talking about. Because we do this chronologically about Frank Sinatra and his recording forever. career. Yeah. We'll be here for five <laughs> hours. So we're just going to kind of sprinkle in some stuff. And he didn't necessarily record this in the nineteen forties, but you know uh, we want to keep giving some examples of this awesome music. Yeah. He has
0: some great tunes. I want to go back and talk about Sinatra uh, with the draft, he had a punctured eardrum. Doug, you sounds had punct- familiar. Yeah, Doug has a punctured eardrum. You, that would have yeah. kept you out of the service. It did. It did. They yeah. called me draft dodger for years. Yeah, the servicemen hated him because you know he was staying home while while all the troops were going out to World War Two, and you know Sinatra was getting a bad rep being a, a draft dodger and, everything and all like their, that.
2: All their dames and broads are sitting at home.
0: checking him out swooning over him so what happened again they re-examine him because he's a celebrity so they're like you know we're going to re-examine make sure you know and the legend so he got turned down again Mm. but they were saying no he paid the psychiatrist forty thousand dollars to get him out of out of out of the um military the militaries what do they call it um 4F 4F Yeah. Yeah, but so the doctors like no way. He has a punctured eardrum. There's no way he could ever be in a firing ground and like go he'll go deaf.
2: And is that from his his birth? The difficult birth? That that was, he had that was from his birth. So he yes. had the scar and, and the left punctured his left ear is
0: all all fucked up and he's got a scar on his face. You know, he had a really bad birth,
2: which just makes it even more crazy that he had a punctured eardrum. And he has that voice, you know, like he's, he's this, such an important figure in American music.
4: Hey man, and, maybe that made him sing a little bit better because he can hear the tones I better. Think so. And yeah. I can honestly vouch for that. You can hear differently with the tones from your voice. I, yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think that might've been an advantage to him throughout his career. Yeah. Like the beginning of it, the vibrations. Yeah. Really interesting. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's true. I so, can see that.
0: Yeah. He was, re- he was rejected again. So. You know, Sinatra wants to get into acting. So he starts to take some acting work and starts learning the dance. Um, so he wants to get some, some roles, you know. Um, so he starts doing that. Um, he was doing this gig one day. And the, and the band was called the Will, the Will Madston Trio. Now, the Will Madston Trio was basically Sammy Davis Jr. as a child. It was his father and his uncle, and they had a group. And a ten year old Sammy Davis Jr. saw eighteen year old Frank Sinatra and Frank Sinatra goes up to him and said, Hey kid, you got something special. You you know, stick to it kind of thing. You know, Sammy Davis Jr. said that was like, you know, God telling you keep it up. He like right away he felt like like I got this I'm under this guy's wing, you know, which will come later in in the story how um And they were doing like Kind of like the Will Madison
2: trio was like vaudeville kind of like he was like cat yeah. dancing yeah, yeah. and and doing this other yeah. kind of stuff. Which...
4: But but it's funny though you know you know uh, Sammy took that such such with such heart that Sinatra said to him he did. Dude, by the time Sinatra talked to him, imagine the thousands of thousands and thousands of stage time hours Sammy has on Sinatra already. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Oh yeah, and he still took that as a big yeah. point of his life. That's interesting. But no, would just respect him that much. You know. There was a lot of
0: pe- like first-generation Americans, so there was a lot of r- racial things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, Sinatra made a, an anti-racial film. It changed the opinion on people's way of thinking about immigrants. He won an Academy
4: Award for it. Yeah, what was it called? Uh, the House I Live In, I think it was yeah. called. Yeah. It, it, it's actually really, really cool like to watch now, too. I just recently watched out as we are doing um, research for this. Uh, he makes a speech in it and it shows Sinatra speaking about anti-Semitism. Yeah, in that movie, uh, he had a, like a little speech in there that really, really made me think. And for the times, it was really – I don't think anybody was really like talking like this. He goes on and says like, look, fellas, religion makes no difference except for a Nazi or somebody stupid. People over the world are worth more than what – just a, a color of their skin, basically, or anything like that. He's like, God create everybody. He did not create one group of people better than another. Your blood is the same as mine as yours is. And the same as his. You know, he was just trying to, like, Sinatra was just trying to break down barriers before it was fashionable to break down. I think know. he meant it, though. No, he did. You know, Sinatra was a guy from the streets. And he was also discriminated against because he was Italian-American. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and it's something that he carried. He never wanted anybody else to feel the way that he felt like he just yeah that's a good point he wore that as a part of his identity which he doesn't get a lot of credit for in his life but we'll get to that point later on what he did for yeah. the, the civil rights movement in america yeah doing that winning that oscar makes now sinatra uh, yeah
0: a, a very popular yeah guy. he
4: was already a household name like he, this guy just exploded he, he just all, explodes with he it. hit all the all the nails on the head from coming out of the gate you know so now sinatra
0: has a couple bucks he's like i can do whatever i want you know what he decides to do i'm gonna go hang out in cuba for a while Mm. so sinatra goes out and hangs out cuba with all the
4: gangsters getting like really like tight with them yeah he he was getting criticized for that they put a wire on him you know because they thought that he was he was laundering like uh, money and drugs from cuba to america yeah you know
0: you know frank was becoming this wannabe almost like he was hanging out gangsters and he was trying to play gangster himself or they wanted to be
2: him is that yeah. where he meets? Because there's the one mob guy from Atlantic City, Skidding D'Amato, that has a yeah. huge part in his career. Is that where they meet, or was Frank I, I going to? I think that's.
0: I think that's when he meets him at the 500 Club in Atlantic. On, so he's playing. Atlantic okay, City. so
2: he's playing Atlantic City. Yeah, and that's where like, he meets him.
0: Yeah, right now he's like I'm saying, like he was hanging out in Cuba when Cuba was open. You know, right. with the Casinos and hanging out with the gangsters out in casinos. Okay. out there. Um, gotcha. Pretty so, much Godfather too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know. So, like, you know, now, like, everybody's watching him. He's celebrity. He's in the newspaper. He's hanging out with Castro. Supposedly, they're calling him a red. They're like, you know, now, you know, they're calling him all kinds of names, and he's just really having a hard time. No, and he's, he's still, still young. making bad he's, decisions, <laughs> and he's still like
2: his early thirties, yeah. Yeah. right? Because it's mean, like he's twenty nine in nineteen forty four. I written my notes. Yeah. So. Hey
4: man, a bunch of guys want to fly you somewhere. You never been out of New York or New Jersey. Or, like, the coast of Chicago, or whatever. And somebody's like, hey, you want to come? Sure, let's yeah, go. Yeah, why not? But,
0: you know, by this time, Frank has a family. You know, he's married, his first wife, he has three kids. Frank is a huge womanizer. Something that his wife knew, but she kept with him anyway. Frank Sinatra meets Ava Gardner and knocks his socks off, like, stops
4: him in dead tracks, and he falls in love with her. Well, he's fallen in love with the idea of him being a celebrity and nobody's ever going to say no to him, you know, because he's the heartthrob, the teen the teen idol or whatever you well, want to say. David Gardner was just like him, though. Sure. Like,
0: strong drinking. Yeah.
4: They're bullheaded. S- they're both self-destructive people at yeah. that time. Yeah. So, like, they, they start seeing each other. Like, she's a homewrecker. Yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah, she's, she's really not – she doesn't look that great in this part of the story, you know. Uh, I heard a story that – he would get drunk with her and then roll up to his, his mansion where his wife lived and scream like, just divorce me. Just oh, just yeah. let me go. Like, you know. Yeah. D- there was one yeah. time he had Ava call his wife on the phone and
0: say, will you just give him a divorce already? Yeah, It was really. Uh, I mean, I, I, Ava Gardner is a shit. But yeah. I, I don't know like if but, she was be worth all that. Frank was an asshole. Yeah, but mm-hmm. from, from, from
4: all this research that I did, this is the most... This is the part of his life that I really didn't like him that much. Well, he that, was you know. he
0: was on down low on that. He was yeah. like he was coming down off the
4: high of being like this new thing, and now yeah. he's yesterday's news. Yeah, his his career was kind of make taking like a backtrack. He wasn't the thing anymore. And yeah, he bro, was bro, bro. Like, he's making some bullshit movies. Yeah, you know? he was forgettable. Yeah, you know? um, but then he gets into. I'm
0: sorry. Uh, yeah, he's he now he wants to reamp his career.
2: I, I think before you move on, we should emphasize that a little bit. So he had this huge. I mean, he's the number one singer, and and then a couple of years later, he he starts to fall out of favor. Yesterday's news, pretty man. pretty yeah. really quickly. Yeah, and it's like I don't know, man. Maybe in in modern times, it's hard to th- to yeah. think of that that he has these peaks and valleys in his career. But you're right he he's kind of washed up by yeah. then. By like I mean, he's not even yeah, thirty a, yet. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but that's the industry, man. That, you know? the, yeah. Oh, yeah, He was working, even though he wasn't popular, still working hard. There's this guy, Mitch Miller. He's famous for writing. What's how much is that doggy in the window? Okay. He wrote a lot of songs, like comedy kind mm. of, you know, yeah. pop songs. And he wants Sinatra to make an album, and he makes an album with Sinatra, and it totally flops. Really? Yeah. And Sinatra wants to kill him. He's like, "You're you killing my whole lifestyle." Or, or my whole like personality. Persona, like I'm not yeah. I'm not
4: cool anymore. It was like it, it was didn't you like think did I'm saying my it, who's like, who how much like is a, that doggy in the window? It was
0: yeah, it was it, almost like that. It was like a duet with somebody. Well who told him to
4: do that? He was trying who, anything who was his for manager? money. But he like didn't he, have a
0: manager at that time. Really? He
4: didn't have one? He was getting drunk all the time with Ava Gardner and just yeah. yeah. But he
0: and nobody liked Sinatra at that point. He was being a jerk to everybody. Yeah. You know? Sinatra, he's out there playing a gig um somewhere and his throat hemorrhages okay he starts spitting up blood right in the middle of his song goes to the hospital they say listen you got to take it easy for a little while here um he's like how can i take it easy i'm i want to be a star i i have ambitions to you know. he's like you're gonna you're gonna go against the odds he's like i will beat the odds so he heals up you know he finally gets divorced days after that he marries ava gardner <laughs>
2: Well, he, he walks out on his wife in like 1950 and he's not divorced yet but he announces plans that he's gonna marry Ava Gardner and the people just turn on him. In, that, in the start, country,
4: imagine that.
2: They start, like, writing, and that's like one of the first like Sex scandals in like sure, music, yeah. and then the
0: gorgeous man. I don't f- think anybody can say no to her.
2: It's a Hollywood scandal, and the fans just start writing all these letters to MGM, just complaining. And yeah, the yeah. studio goes to him and goes like, "Dude, you got to stop." Sure. And he wouldn't do it, and so they they canned him. MGM canceled his con his movie contract, and his wife. Yeah, he finally his wife finally he gets his divorce in 1951. So it's like two three years later. Do you mess-
0: you know, when he was hurt, nobody reached out to him. I guess he's been such an asshole to everyone. You know, nobody wanted to help him. But you, every, you know, every, everybody you know who, just
4: likes you when you're on top, man. You That's know, it. who
2: had his
0: back the whole time
2: was the mob. Was the mob the yeah, one group yeah. that never turns his back on him? It's his family. By this point of the story, he's got some connections with the mob. So mm-hmm. Ryan was talking about him going to um you know, to Cuba. Cuba. Yeah. And at some point he goes to Atlantic city and he starts playing some gigs at a place called the 500 club. And he meets a mobster named skinny D'Amato and skinny um, D'Amato plays a role in getting Sinatra into Vegas, but we'll get to that. We got a couple more things to talk about. Yeah. There's
0: still just a few things to talk about before Frank goes to Vegas and makes the, the rat pack. But like we were saying, Frank's down on his luck. He can't, he can't win anything. But he reads for a part from a movie called From Here to Eternity. Before he could even get, he couldn't get the job. Like
4: going back to the, going back to the Godfather, the scene where uh, when it, he says they're just part for the, me, that's perfect. Me, I have to. Yeah, react. he but, reads the yeah. book and he's like,
2: "This is written yeah. for me." Yeah.
4: Um, it was basically like that. It's him. Yeah. It's- but all in all,
0: he said the mob didn't get him the gig. Ava Gardner got him the gig, which isn't too out of the question. I mean, she's, she's a huge star. She is. She was a huge star. She was a huge star, but you know, from here in turny he was was made for Frank. You know, he he was perfect for the role when he got it. He got his shit together, and he was like, "I'm gonna get this this movie role," and he got it. I
2: I had read too that he like he auditions for that part, and the uh, the movie theater the st- or the movie studio goes like, "All right, well, we'll, we'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. We'll let you know." Yeah, and he kind of. You know, his career's in a tailspin, is not doing well, so he gets upset. So he goes to Africa to see Ava Gardner because mm-hmm. she's making Mugambo. Yeah. And he gets there and he's watching her on the set, but she's with Clark Gable. Oh. And they're having like romance on the, they, you know, this, the characters are having romance. So he gets all jealous and then he, he leaves. So he gets even more upset. And he really, I think he. He's comparing himself to Ava Gardner. Like there's there's jealousy here. Oh, sure. his competition her career man. Yeah. is going
0: up. I think that was foreplay for them. Yeah. You know, a, like, like piss each other off. And he struggles with this. Like this is the time when Frank becomes Frank. Like he he makes this movie between the movie coming out, he signs the Capitol Records and he records World on a String and Don't Worry About Me.
4: You want to hear a little bit of that, World on a String? <laughs>
3: I've got the world on a string Sitting on a rainbow Got the string around my finger What a world, what a life, I'm in love I got a song that I sing I can make the rain go
4: now hearing like all this stuff that Frank's going for, through and everything like that, and then he records a song, it is it's almost like a uh, a letter to himself. Like things are going to get better. Well, he met the guy who's going to
0: change his life. Right. His name was Nelson Riddle. Okay, right on. Nelson Riddle was conductor at Capitol Records. He brought Sinatra's back. He, like his sound. Mm-hmm. He he gave him the orchestra more of a powerful so like feeling. But he made Sinatra's voice the major main attraction of the recording. You know, you're you're playing with Benny Goodman and everything like that. The orchestra's the main thing. You know, the vocal's are way
4: down. And this is like right after that track. How many years after that tragedy was his voice when he spitting up blood and everything that? I don't know, that- probably a couple of years. Probably a couple years, yeah. yeah. And so he was ready to go back in. Yeah, he yeah. He felt but, strong enough, yeah.
0: But this was like, you know, he's on his way back up. Like I said, he did From, from Here to Eternity. eternity he gets, knocks he gets, it out of the park.
2: He wins the Oscar. Yeah, he won yeah, the yeah, Oscar yeah. for that too, yeah.
0: But in between that, he keeps, he makes recording... And then recording comes out, and then the movie comes out, mm-hmm. and the movie just gangbusters. It just blows up. And like you said, he wins the Academy Award for it. And then but I think by the time he starts,
2: he he's really still depressed the way his career is going. And
0: he, I think he's yeah, just so depressed over that woman, Ava Gardner. Well she dumps him. Yeah. Right?
2: Around around the period. Broken. And then she's he sees her out on the town with peter lawford Mm -hmm. and the thing is always like sinatra apparently threatened to break peter lawford's legs and they don't talk for years it's like six years they don't talk to each other and then i guess he tries to cope with his career and losing her that he just they said he's working 18 hours a day and on this Capitol records Mm -hmm. and it's really out of all his stuff it's some of his his best work and his most
0: prolific work yeah after he won the oscar one thing that he did with nelson riddle was make an album called songs for swinging lovers this was made in 1956 um you have some great songs on here um you make me feel so young pennies from heaven i've got you under my skin how about you you know i like new york in june how about about you? you making Whoopi anything goes um this was a concept album you know, in 1956, to come up with a concept album, to me, is like, holy shit, you know?
4: But after you just read off all those songs, that sounds like a greatest hits album, rather than, like, an actual right, album. Right, even if you know?
2: you're not, even this, if you don't listen to him, like, you know those, you know those songs, they're just part of, like, pop culture now. But this is,
4: those songs, majority of those songs that he read off is Sinatra, what is known for. Yeah. So this is where Sinatra becomes, the thing with Nelson Riddle is he got on
0: the to make this concept album the concept was concept of a man who's just found joy in love and the songs of the album follow a story of the man's relationship as he eventually leaves the girl and finds another woman so it, it sounds like love to me. You know, you find one woman and you're like, all right, I'm in love. And then, oh, who's that? Who's that? It's who, him. It's, who, it, it's his life, that's right? Frank's that's life. That's
4: his first marriage and Dude, Ava that's, Gardner. That's his whole first life. Dude, what about the song title? Like, let's make Whoopi. Like, like, Is that the first, like, kind of, like, pornographic song? Right. That's the, was, the
0: like, that's the WAP of Dr. It. <laughs> John covered that for yeah, a long no, time. I remember that.
4: Yeah. Why don't we play
0: something from that album? What yeah, do you hear? sure. What do you want to hear? Let's hear, um, you make me feel so young.
3: And every time I see you grin I'm such a happy individual The moment that you speak I want to go play hide and seek I want to go and bounce the moon Just like a toy balloon You and I are just like a couple of tots
0: Yes, Songs for Swinging Lovers. If you guys want to hear a great album, check that out. Great album. Sinatra did 300 songs with Nelson Ritter. Okay. Now, Sinatra's, you know, you're big, so everybody's going to take a little shot at you all the time. So now everybody's calling, you know, because he didn't join the army or couldn't join the army, now he's a commie. Sure. Now everybody's calling him a commie, the whole witch hunt, basically. You know, everybody was calling him a commie. He be making a witch hunt out of Hollywood. He gets really pissed off
4: about this. Well, that's kind of really e- that's easy for me to believe because you know he was always like standing up for things that were wrong in this country. You're right. He, you know he, he got he got behind
0: segregation. segregation you yeah. know he got a lot he got a a lot of black talent
4: into theaters like Sammy Davis. He didn't see color, so you know America the way it was and. Whatever, I think a lot of people had a hard time grasping onto what his ideals were, and um, I got to be honest with you. I, I knew he did he did a lot for civil rights. I didn't know the extent that he did for civil yeah. rights until this started. He, yeah. Yeah. he was doing yeah, concerts for, for Dr. King. Yeah, yeah he, for, he raised just, a lot of
2: money for Martin Luther, Luther King's King
4: cause. Just um, being a great humanitarian –
2: and it's such a yeah. he's such a complicated figure because it's so yeah. easy to be like yeah. well you know he's a womanizer and a drunk and yeah you know, like mm. you can you can you know he's a Vegas person but he it's, and he's a commie too right yeah.
4: he never backed down from speaking out against what he believed was humanly immoral you know however history creates who remember however people want to remember them and that's a real shame. He wrote a piece for Ebony Magazine in 1958. You know, you can go find go find it out there on the internet. I found it. And I really feel that for, you know, Frank Sinatra writing an article for Ebony M- Magazine in 1958, that's some pretty heavy shit. Yeah. You know, nobody saw that coming. So mm-hmm. I feel that, you know, it was easy to call him a communist. It was easy to be. Yeah. But do you think he really fucking cared?
0: Yeah, he did. You think so? Yeah. He like punched some dude out in a restaurant because he? he was calling him red. You know, it's 1958. You know, the, besides the racial shit going on, rock and roll is coming in. Mm-hmm. Frank
4: Sinatra hates rock and roll, like right off the bat. He says it's stupid. But like, you know, before we hit that, like, you know, I always and I think I said another episode, you know, like uh, Frank Sinatra, he's part of the uh, the agenda. He's part of this. He's part of that, you know, and everything that he was saying is what rock and roll was saying. And then he he hates rock and roll. He hates rock. and That's roll. A, that's yeah. He I, hates it. Yeah.
0: Um, his son said one time he brought home
4: Beatles album, and he fucking threw it out door. Because, do you think it's because that he saw the change coming? Yeah. That's why yeah. he hated rock and roll? He did that special with Elvis, and, and that Elvis was came home, and that was,
0: yeah, that absolutely. was, that was fantastic, that was great. Yeah, we were talking about that when he was doing, um, witchcraft.
2: Yeah, he, Elvis sings witchcraft, witchcraft and, yeah. and Sinatra's, uh... He's like shaking his shoulders and he's like, Oh, this is how you do it, right? But I'm not going to move yeah, my hips or something. Yeah, I, or, like
4: we, we work the same, but at different areas. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was a witchcraft and. Uh, love me tender yeah Sinatra sings sings love loves me tender if you guys want to watch it's really cute and it's really it's on youtube it's really it cool great. and it's really you can see that they legitimately like each other and it's
0: yeah it's great
4: it is a great piece of, i think elvis blows them away on it elvis is such a
0: better looking uh, dude than he is
4: yeah but it, you're also talking elvis about a kid like, against somebody like yeah. you know
0: elvis like glows but elvis what, is like yeah just scar faced yeah
4: but you know? like as like you said i thought Sinatra, did a did a really good no, that uh, it was yeah. great, I love yeah. I love that.
2: I have that quote on Sinatra talking about rock and roll. So in in '58, he gets invited to testify before Congress about juvenile delinquency. I don't he created know. it. They thought and,
4: twenty years before they got he he was caused for that, and know?
2: he he blames so in a and he's testifying before the House of Representatives, and he blames juvenile delinquency on rock and roll, and he says this. Rock and roll is the most brutal, ugly, desperate, vicious form of expression. It has been in my misfortune to hear. Rock and roll smells phony and false. It is sung, played, and written for the most part by cretinous goons. And by means of its almost imbecilic reiteration and sly, lewd, and in plain fact, dirty lyrics, it manages to be the martial music of every sideburned delinquent on the face of the earth.
4: Hallelujah, Frank! You made me like rock and roll a little bit I more. I've never read that. I practiced
2: reading that. Like <laughs> I five never, times. I never
4: heard that. I love that. I love that.
2: Your is goons. I love that. Yeah, sideburned <laughs> yeah, 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 delinquent. That is good.
4: That's great. So
0: Frank, you know, this is when Frank starts hanging in Vegas.
2: All right. So he's, um, you know, and his career's kind of going down and coming back up, and he goes back to Atlantic City and he's playing some some shows at that the Five Hundred Club with the mobster Skinny D'Amato. Skinny D'Amato is boys with a guy named Mo Dalitz, who was the mob boss from Ohio. Uh, Mo Dalis is one of the guys that starts going out into to Vegas because the casinos are opening up mm. and he offers uh, Sinatra a contract to come. Hey, man, come on out and play my new my new uh, casino. The tickets were like 50 cents to go see him. They were like dirt cheap. But I guess the thought was, well, you go out to see S- Sinatra and maybe when you're there, you'll spend a little bit of money. Yeah, really interesting kind of gets out there because because the mob invited them because they wanted to draw to go to their casinos
4: sure you need yeah you know they got all those money invested so like when I get one of your buddies to come in who's a, one of the biggest stars in the world to come up and play your little sandbox yeah this you is, know?
0: this is when right around the time oceans is being made um in Vegas which is a great movie I just watched it that's where the rat pack starts
2: yeah, it's right around that era when he's out there and he starts playing. Well, the and the the New York mob gives him a state a nine percent ownership in the Sands Casino, which is so. as, wow. as this is taken off. Yeah, he's got an ownership in the casino yeah. where they're playing.
4: I didn't know that until you just said. Yeah. Until you guys said that, he's got to
0: put asses in the seats. So he's like, "All right, what do I got? Now it's do? on me. Yeah, now it's on me, and I got to bring the people in."
2: I you know what I also thought was a little crummy after Bogart dies. Sinatra. He goes out with his wife. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah he gets, yeah.
0: He gets engage, really,
2: really briefly yeah. engaged to Lauren Bacall. Yeah. And I don't think it's that much longer after I Humphrey I Bogart died. Yeah. I don't
4: think it was within a year. Yeah.
2: And Bogart yeah. and Lauren Bacall were like, the Beyonce and Jay Z of that, like yeah. that, you know, whatever. Think of any celebrity couple. Like they were really famous together, and then I guess the media finds out again, and the media comes after him, and they both like they're like, whoa, like yeah, they, they, he doesn't want to deal with that again. So yeah, gay, he's he's not when it comes to like relationships and stuff. He's not a good dude. No, he's no. definitely
0: not. But they got nothing but double D's around them, drinks and dames. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Um that's great. Double D's drunk. And yeah, I mean they're. They're making the rap. They're making the uh, Ocean's Eleven movie during the day, and they're doing these gigs at night. Sinatra would go out on stage, and Dean Martin would come out, and next you know, Sammy Davis Jr. come out, Joey Bishop would come out, tell a couple jokes, and Peter Lawford would just be the bartender. Yeah, during during these these acts, at one point that then um, not yet Kennedy, not yet president
4: came and he became Senator. Smart. Senator yeah, Kennedy.
0: Sen- Senator Kennedy came and saw the Rat Pack
4: one night and fell in love with Frank Sinatra. Yeah, they met and um, when Kennedy came saw Sinatra, Sinatra knew him for, you know, a couple, yeah, a couple years prior to that because of Peter Lawford because he's been, he was married to oh Jack's sister and um, they, they made sure. So, uh, Kenny shows up at one of Sinatra's gigs in Vegas, and he introduces the crowd, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, the next president of the United States, John F. Kennedy. Yeah. You know? um, When they would hang out with, with
0: J- uh, John F. Kennedy, they would call it the Jack Pack, you know?
4: And um, you know Jack liked to be there. Jack you know? liked
0: playing the movie star. Yeah, I
4: mean- Well, he kind of was. Like, he, you know, the good looks and this and that, like, you know, rumors of him going to be the next president. So- why not? You know? And he was, dude, he was a big womanizer, too. The history showed us that, you know. Where Kennedy
2: and Sinatra kind of cross paths is, we, we said before that Frank Sinatra and Peter Lawford don't talk for a long time, because mm. Peter Lawford starts dating Ava Gardner. Peter Lawford then gets married to John F. Kennedy's sister, Pat, and they kind of use Peter Lawford. to are like, hey, you're friends with that Sinatra guy, right? Can, can you call in a favor? Can you guys, like... Can you make nice with him and put a good word in for us so he can help JFK get yeah. get elected? Yeah, and that was his father's Joe's
4: doing and all that. Joe might be the shitbag of the week. Joe is yeah. the shitbag bag of the week. If yeah. there's a hell, he's there.
2: Yeah, he's a bad he's a bad dude. He but is that, a bad dude. So that's where like Peter Lawford and they become friends again, and that's kind of where Peter Lawford yeah. gets into the rat pack. Mm-hmm. So they're really kind of they're kinda of using him as but, a way to get to Sinatra. But
4: at the same time, I think Sinatra's using him also to get to the Kennedys because he Sinatra loved pa- the attention. Powers love power, man. Yeah. You know, power loves power and they go hand in hand together. Okay, so we know that Kennedy wins the presidential election help from Sinatra and the Rat Pack. But the thing is though, when he got he got elected, but when they had his uh When Kennedy
2: wins, there's some weird stuff going on. Like so he needs it's the state of West Virginia. He needs to win to get the the nomination. Mm-hmm. And the story always was that that Sinatra kind of asks Sam Giancana, one of his mob buddies, like, "Hey, can you deliver? Can you do something to help in the state of West Virginia?" An
4: Irish Roman Catholic getting, uh, yeah. getting and elected. The, and
2: then he he comes through. And the story was always that like Sinatra would be like, "Hey, man, if you help us out here, if JFK gets the White House, we'll Congress will back off, stop looking into what's going on in Vegas." Sinatra's got his own stake in it because he owns part of the Sands. Sure. And um, the same thing ha- happens with Chicago. That, that They said that Sinatra called in some favors with Sam Giancana, who was a mob boss in Chicago, to deliver that to with the quid pro quo would be that they would back off. And, you know, we. Yeah. I guess we, we'll finish that story later when JFK's yeah, president.
0: I mean, uh, now Kennedy and Sinatra are, are boys sinatra invites kennedy to come stay at his house in palm springs and bobby's like no fucking way are you staying at this guy's house you want to hang out with him fine but you're not going to stay at his house he's a mobster and frank's like no he's not he's just frank says, well look at all this all this stuff that he's done with the mobsters you cannot stay with him frank takes this very personally
4: because he goes stays with ben crosby and because, because, is, because he has a his, Republican, yeah. And he has a very squeaky clean reputation, and we all talked about Bing Crosby before about how he's yeah. a shitbag too. But you know, but
0: the whole thing was like, Bing Crosby was Republican, yeah, yeah,
2: you yeah. And yeah. yeah. I think I think the FBI finds out that that JFK was having an affair with an actress named Judy Campbell, like right before this happened, yeah, and. Sinatra had introduced JFK to this actress, but this actress was also a mistress of Sam G. And Connor, yeah, I read that too. Which is when it gets to Robert Kennedy, and he's like, dude, you can't go there. And so JFK go, yeah, cancels his cancels this trip to uh, go stay with him. And then that's like what they, they kick. He kicks Peter Lawford out of yeah. the Rat Pack over yeah. this, right? It's, that's that's yeah. where it w- Yeah.
4: But can you imagine Bobby during this whole thing? Who are you going to hang out with? Who are you gonna do this? Who are you gonna do this? Yeah, you're like and you're trying to make a family thing happen. We're trying to make our stake here in the United States. And then you have your brother doing this, your dad doing this, and Bobby's just sitting back like you guys are all crazy. Right, you wanna play gangster You wanna play gangster, you wanna do this? You you wanna wanna play president, you wanna play gangster, you wanna play Booth Hustler. The, and the part. he was, and he
0: was the, the, part. the one
2: who was going... I mean, RFK was the one going after the mob. Yeah. You know, like, Sam J. Well, and Khan is like... That was a Dude, thing. I thought you were going to get this guy off my yeah. back, and yeah. now he's, he's yeah, coming like, hard.
0: Sinatra was like, you know, maybe he'll take a light on you, kind of thing, yeah. next and you time can, you're in trouble.
2: Yeah, and there's like... And now
0: Robert just goes after them, there's, hardcore. Yeah,
2: there's, there's art. There's like... You can see videos of Robert Kennedy interviewing... Uh, Getting him to testify, Sam Giancana, yep. and he starts like Sam Giancana starts laughing, and and Robert Kennedy's like, "Oh, I thought only little girls
4: chuckle like that." Yeah, like it, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, I they saw get, that. They get, it
2: gets nasty.
4: Yeah, but dude, Giancana also he they have him on a wire saying like, "I think I'm going to whack out Sinatra because of all this." He almost got killed from this, and he said, "I might kill a couple of those other guys too in the Rat Pack." Yeah, and there's always there's always rumors that the mob had
2: something to do with Kennedy dying, and it's like you know you could Is it hard there's, to leave? there's things to say like well Sam G and Connor got so pissed that yeah. that the mob was they didn't or that the the government didn't follow through with him, you know, backing off of the mob that he had
4: Kennedy assassinated. If anything, I think that was step one toward the whole Kennedy getting assassinated. But when Kennedy went to go stay with Bing Crosby, Sinatra built on a wing on the side of his house for, you know, had a nice plaque maze. Like, the president of the United States stayed here and he stayed there. You know what Sinatra did? He almost tore the whole place apart with his bare hands. That's how pissed he was. Poor Peter Lawford has to put up with all those Kennedys um,
0: all right, where are we at here?
2: So we're like we're like what, Kennedy just got elected, so we're like nineteen sixty?
0: Yeah. So it's about nineteen sixty. J- JFK's pretty pissed off that he didn't um get to stay with Sinatra, whatever. So Frank goes and plays Black Prison in DC without anybody knowing. So he goes out there and he plays and he sings and like that. Um, and JFK found out that he was there. oh, stop by. He's like, fuck you. I ain't stopping by. I see you. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. He's like, whatever. And he was,
4: already, he was already president at the time.
0: He was already president. Not too long
4: after that, that's yeah. when
0: JFK was killed.
4: But, you know, like, going back with the Rat Pack, doing all this stuff for Kennedy, getting elected, like, you know, to put on shows, you know, all of them out there going to bat for John and this and that. Then he gets the inauguration. Sammy Davis Jr. was not invited to play the inauguration party because of he was... uh beginning to get he was going to get married in a few weeks to some uh some swedish actress i forget her name at the time but like at that time but at that time you know it was still legal a lot of parts of this country for interracial marriages so he wasn't invited so you know who else didn't fucking show up because his friend wasn't dino Dino. Dino dean martin Martin said no
0: way i'm not showing up either sammy did all that work for the, the kennedys yeah you know sammy was first invited but I I think it was Jackie and NASA said no
4: fucking way is he coming to the, my fucking I didn't read that well, I, it was
2: like the the convention so the convention was in California
4: but he played all the conventions and all that
2: and they the convention introduces the committee for the arts and it's the rat it's all the rat pack except Dean Martin wasn't there he had something else to do Sammy Davis Jr. comes out to, for the national anthem. And the delegates from Mississippi start heckling like go home N word. Like it gets really nasty. And then Joe Kennedy was like, You cannot have this dude here. Like, he is a liability to your campaign if you got this this this, this
4: black guy running around. It sounds it just sounds like all this trouble, the Sinatra went for John. And he just kind of put, brushed him aside. And I think Frank was just in love with the idea of having the President of the United States in his pocket. Yeah. Maybe he was a little delusional thinking that was going to happen. No, I, you I, know? I think he, Frank loved power. No, who doesn't? You know,
0: you know who doesn't? Yeah, but, I think Frank loved power. And who has more power than the President of the
4: United States? He has him on speed dial. But can you imagine what Frank was telling Sam of, Oh, don't, we got some – don't worry about it. Our problems are over. You yeah. Know? And then – you know, the
2: day after JFK wins the nomination for presidency, Dean Martin, Skinny D'Amato, Sinatra, and his manager all apply for a gaming license in mm-hmm. Lake
4: Tahoe. Yeah. And they have a silent partner, which is Sam Kana. But like in that story, you know, you know how I said that, you know, Sam's going to have all the guys from the Rat Pack whacked. Instead of whacking them, you know what he did? It's like the main three guys, Sammy. Well, maybe not Sammy. Dean and definitely Frank. Well, guess what? When you come to Chicago, you're playing my place. And guess what I'm paying you? Nothing. Yeah. Why do we play my kind of town?
3: People, People who smile at you. And each time I roam, Chicago is calling me home, Chicago.
0: Okay, now we'll pick up. JFK's gone. He was
2: killed in Texas. One last point on JFK was there's a Washington, D.C. police detective who says that the FBI had tapes of Sinatra talking to Sam Giancana, where Sinatra said that he was sleeping with Peter Lawford's wife who, in order to get influence with JFK. So mm-hmm. that he was, he was sleeping with JFK's sister, thinking that she would say nice things about Sinatra.
0: So... You know, Sinatra makes a couple more thousand movies, makes a bunch of different albums. He gets married a couple more times. He got married to Mia Farrow. She was in Rosemary's, Rosemary's yeah, Baby. Yeah, she was like
4: 20 years younger than him. Right? Yeah, she was adorable. She was a baby. She was like a baby. He was like 40, 40-something years old. And she's, she, Gives she's me like hope. <laughs> Gives me hope, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> but that didn't last very long, did it? It only no, lasted for like he, a year. He couldn't deal with her like... Um, Childness? Well, yeah, she was a flower power. Yeah, she's a big hippie. I mean, She yeah, was a hippie. Pot. Yeah, she smoked a pot. Imagine like Frank Sinatra doesn't like rock and
0: roll, but here's your wife. Here's your wife. It's <laughs> yeah. 20 years younger than you. Like hanging out like, with the Beatles and so, talking about revolution. You know, Sinatra's got some pool now. You know, he's going to now he's going against the press. He's he all those years of the press going after him, now he's going after the press. He's seen people in restaurants. He's knocking them out. You know, he's becoming this thug. You know, like who's gonna mess with me? I'm Frank Sinatra. He he starts um, recording more albums. Which is fast forward 1984. He like
2: he retires in like 71. He says like I'm done. And then he I don't know how long that lasts, but he yeah he comes back.
0: So he you know he says he's gonna retire. So after a few years of retirement, he comes out um of retirement and he makes the album with Quincy Jones. I don't know the album, but I know Quincy and Quincy. This was at the hype of Quincy's career. Um, There's a famous meeting between Michael Jackson and Frank Sinatra during the recording sessions. One legend with the other. Frank does some work for uh, for Nixon. He does some work for Ronald Reagan. He, uh, you know, just keeps his name out
4: there. You know, Um, like throughout his career, you know, he performed over fourteen hundred. Uh, recordings in six decades, you know, and you're talking about like him recording with Quincy Jones and all that, you know, he performed on over 1400 recordings in six decades career and appeared in 60 films at that time. You know, he won. he has 31 gold albums, nine platinum albums, three double platinum albums, and one triple album by recording industry association of America. Like this guy had a huge career, just a few years of his career could be, a
0: milestone for somebody's career yeah
2: i mean um, there's there's like box sets of the Capitol years yeah and you know wonderful. almost every one of those songs it's, it's, yeah, it's like,
4: unbelievable but like another thing like he raised over a billion dollars for charities including like like especially in the 80s like when um charities with people want to touch like aids awareness and things like that he was one of the first guys to do to do a charity for aids you know for all kinds of he he Frank never met a cause he didn't like. You know, he just had a lot of.
0: I just think he because he, he came from nothing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He knows what it's like not to have anything.
2: Yeah. He I, he also has a point. I think it's in the '60s that he he loses that those casinos that he owns. Yeah, and he loses a ton of money. It's actually yeah. in '63, so it's a year yeah. that that Kennedy gets killed. That he um the FBI finds out that that Sam Giancana is staying in this casino that mm. Sinatra owns. And they um they pull his gaming license and then he has to sell his stake in the sands. And um Sinatra takes a bath financially. Sam Giancana takes a bath financially. Mm. Skinny D'Amato takes a bath financially. Again, does that have something to do with like the mob? Does the mob have something to do with JFK? I don't know, but it's it's, but so, it's
4: so crazy though if you think about it. It's another know?
2: thing to just uh, you know Sinatra just loses a ton of money.
0: Yeah, you know maybe that's why like Sinatra went low key for all those years. You know, like, yeah, trying
2: to stay out of the public eye. Yeah, they said too like he would always go back to Las Vegas or he'd always go back to Atlantic City and he would play a couple shows at that five hundred club. And yeah. It burned down in like the early seventies, but he had such a loyalty that. That, that mob guy, Skinny yeah. D'Amato, that he yeah. would always go. And he said he would play for free. Yeah. So like, just, just put us up in a casino in Atlantic City with me and my entourage. And you know, I'm sure he made money and yeah. all the Jack Daniels he drank. But yeah. it was like, that was the deal. That he was always, he was so loyal to them.
4: I could definitely say he was definitely a loyal man. He definitely was. Yeah. Um, maybe he was too loyal. You know? Yeah, could there's, be. There's no such thing as
0: not. Uh, he's
2: loyal uh, to the wrong people, maybe. Yeah, yeah.
0: He was loyal to the wrong people. Yeah, You know, he... Uh, he moves up. The first time he gets um notoriety for the song New York, New York, he played at Radio City Music Hall after the Yankees win the World Series in nineteen seventy eight. So, and he was playing at Radio City Music Hall in the in the in the Yankees win the World Series. He breaks in New York, New York. Is that when
4: the Yankees adopt it? Uh, the song New York, New York. Because I'm did sure. Liza Minnelli have that song before? He, I think Liza Minnelli did had he? a hit with that uh. song before he did. And it never really did anything. But when Sinatra did it, it became a huge hit. Yeah. You know? It became one of his signature songs. But another signature song
0: didn't happen until towards the end of his career. Um, it was a song that was written for him by Paul Anka. And it's my way. Um, I have some great – I have a great memory of walking in Italy – walking around the patheon it's all it's all um stone brick ground and I turn a corner and I hear somebody playing the trumpet, and somebody's playing "My Way," and I, I hear it bouncing off the, the village, like you know, like the, the walls, and it's so beautiful. It's like I became such a huge fan of that song. It was like echoing really? off the architecture. Yeah,
4: man, that's the first time in yeah. my life I've ever heard Ryan say anything positive about the song "My Way." Oh.
0: Dude, I used to, I would used to say it's the biggest loser song ever. It's the biggest
4: loser song ever written, but
0: dude, you had to be walking in Rome. I guess so. I'm.
4: Hey, man, I'm very happy you had that experience because I think I I have it on my phone. Yeah, you never even told me that story before, and good for you. You, I'm glad that you have a different way of looking at that song now, rather than being in the bar, like working the bar at like 11 o'clock at night on a Tuesday night, and some losers in there. Yeah, you know, a lot I of people heard it, but I did it my way. that, yeah. that is
2: a that's a bar song. Right? Yeah. You guys probably no, heard that yeah. song oh, a zillion too many times. times. But
4: you know what? A lot of
0: like these people in, in in like South Philadelphia, they're like, Oh, I'm a Frank Sinatra fan. You know three fucking songs. Yeah. Play some more other songs.
4: But one song that I will love that bar for the rest of my life for is Sending the Clowns. That is a fantastic song. It's a sad song. It it's is a great a sad It's song. a great, great song. Like sending We're here. The clowns are already here, you know. You want to hear a great song? Just play a little bit for you, Bruce.
0: It's called One for My Baby.
2: Yeah. Um, how about we play the version from Live at the Sands? Do okay. you know that one yeah. with the intro to It's no, just great. No, I don't.
3: This is the part in the program where we sing a drunk song. Drunk songs are usually done in small bars and bistros in the wee hours of the morning. Usually talked or sung by a fellow who's got problems, like uh, his broad flute of coop with another guy and all the bread. So if if you will assume the position of a bartender, it's the way these guys behave. It's quarter to three There's no one in the place Except you and me Set them up, Joe I got a little story I think you should know We're drinking, my friend To the end of a brief episode Make it one for my baby
0: And another one You know, to me, that's the classic Frank Sinatra. Yeah, sitting in a bar. Yeah, In a you know used to be able to smoke in bars. Um, in a smoky bar. That's a song I I could see it. I've I never I've,
4: I've never heard that version before, and I, it just shows how much Frank is a natural entertainer. It's nothing for him to give up and give a classic speech like that, like a, a classic intro. I've never heard that before. What was that, that one? Was that the one live that, at, the, Live at the Sands? That, that album.
2: Is so good because he, there's a couple songs in there where he starts. I'll have to play for you when we take a break. There's like he's teasing somebody in the audience, and he just starts laughing and like in between the. Su- it's just great. Anyway, but yeah, I mean in that album, man, he's he's just interacting with the crowd, and even the um the little parody we played at the beginning of the show is is from the beginning of the Sands album, and then you know, it plays and he walks out and he's like, "How did all you people get into my room?" <laughs> yeah. And it's just like you know, and it's like the level that he would play off the crowd, and it really, I mean, you you hear it a lot too in the um the Rat Pack stuff. It's just great.
0: Yeah. I mean, him and his cronies—nothing no, could beat those guys on stage. Him and him, Dean, um, Sammy—they're—they're yeah. Sammy, just—they're born to be together. Like, like we always say, this—the—the the, the skies open up and God points down at yeah. certain people and they bring them together, you know. But um, yeah, let's you know, Sinatra—he had a great career. We don't have to go into how he died and all that depressing stuff when he died they buried him with a
2: bottle of jack daniels cuz he yeah. uh, he's actually considered famous for uh putting jack daniels on the map <laughs> he, he would always drink it you know it would always have the same thing four fingers of jack daniels a couple ice cubes and a splash flash of water my
4: dad told us that for years you know like especially down here in south philadelphia everybody jack dan everybody drank jack daniels because frank drank Track Jack Daniels. You know, so it's they, funny He said they buried him. It's like
0: they also buried him with ten dimes
2: in case he had to call somebody. Yeah, when his son got uh, kidnapped. Yeah, he yeah. he said he didn't have money for a payphone or something.
0: Cool. Well, why don't we take a
2: little break here, guys? Yeah, all right. So let's let's uh, we'll take a break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the other guys of the Rat Pack. So cool. All right, we'll be back. All right, a rat right, rat. Right. Ring a ding ding. This episode of the Prisoners of Rock and Roll is brought to you by McCusker's Tavern, located at 17th and Shunk Streets in South Philadelphia. McCusker's Tavern has been in business for more than 50 years, making it the oldest bar west of Broad Street in a city known for its neighborhood watering holes. Minutes from the sports stadium, McCusker's is a great place to stop in for a few beers before or after a game or a concert. There's a reason why everyone from Philadelphia Magazine to Playboy have ranked it as one of the best dive bars in the city. Music is such an important part of McCusker's Tavern that we're actually recording this episode from there right now. They're currently closed due to the pandemic, but miss everyone and hope to see them soon. In the meantime, check them out on Facebook. That's McCusker's Tavern. All right, so we're back from the commercial break. Thanks for sticking with us, man. We we talked about Sinatra for over an hour. We really even scratched the surface. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff that we could have gotten into. You know he, we, there's a lot of his music we didn't get into, uh, some of his later stuff, some of his film stuff. Um, you know he, his, we didn't talk about his son being kidnapped. He no. he tried to commit suicide a couple times. Frank Sinatra did. There's a there's a whole lot of stuff, man. But you know definitely go check out some of this other music because we got four other guys in the Rat Pack that we need to talk about. Yeah. So who's next?
0: Next one we're gonna talk about is Dean Martin. He, he is the cool of cool
2: playboy magazine called him the coolest man who has ever lived and this is the magazine that also called mccusker's tavern one of the best dive bars in their country yeah. in the country so they know what they are talking they about they are
0: above the they are above the grade yes
2: yes and speaking of mccusker's tavern you guys have done an excellent job refreshing everything i'm glad i have a new another cocktail in front yes. of me here yes this is excellent yeah. we had some great music some uh, some swing music playing in the background uh during our commercial break
0: let's talk about dino Dino was born June seventh, nineteen seventeen. He was born in Steubenville, Ohio. He said Steubenville had booze, women, and music—everything a growing boy needs. Steubenville is a steel mill town. A lot of steel mill workers. um, You know, probably just a Bruce Springsteen song town kind of thing. Dean quit school at the tenth grade. He didn't like it. He he just like. A lot of kids his age and at that time didn't finish school.
4: But he went, he dropped out of school to be a boxer, didn't he? Basically quit school to make a living for his family.
0: But uh, he, he was a boxer. He
4: did do some boxing. And he said he wasn't very good. His name was Kid Crochet, his name was. And his record was 26 and 11. All right. You mm-hmm. know, so he, he wasn't bad. You
0: know, I, I don't think he'd make a good boxer. I think his relaxed persona would be just a little bit too easy-go. He's like, come on, pal, you really want to fight? Yeah, that guy punched <laughs> his face in. Yeah, you know. Out in Steubenville, um, there was a big Italian um, community out there um, when Italians were being made fun of. Dean didn't hide that he was that he was Italian. He spoke Italian. He even sang in Italian. Um, he didn't care about any stereotyped. Dean's dad didn't want to work in steel mills um, growing up. So Dean's dad became a barber and opened his own shop. So when Dean... Dropped out of school, he said, You know, you get two things. You're going to go to the steel mill or you're going to work at the barber with me. And he didn't want to do any of it. And that's when he became the boxer Kid Crochet, 16 years
4: old. It's like both of his parents were immigrated from uh, Abruzzo, Italy. So Dean didn't know how to speak English until he was about five years old. So he got picked on a lot as a child mm. because he spoke with that, you know, broken off-the-boat dialogue in his language so you know he at a very young age you know he had to come over uh being discriminated against because he was also different just like frank yeah you know i mean all those guys all those superstars are different when they're kids i
0: mean you know the oddballs dean got a job at a cigar store called rex's and rex's was a front for a gambling den eventually get dean to be a blackjack blackjack dealer you know, there was a lot of gangsters coming and going, and Dean made a lot of friends uh, dealing blackjack and everything like that. Dean would go all the after-hour spots with all the gangsters, and, you know, they make Dean get up there and sing, and holy shit, Dean could sing, and, you know, they, they couldn't believe it. Well, it's funny. He
4: started at that club. He started as a stock boy. Then they let him deal cards, as blackjack. Then he would work the roulette table and then he became a singer in the lounge that they had. So that's, I guess that yeah. was his first uh, step into yeah, he the, made, on he, the stage. You he know. moved up the ladder. That's yeah. basically what he did is move up the ladder. But with the mob behind him. With the, the mob, mob helping him. The mob helping him. Um, in
0: 1938, his friend Ernie Bacay asked him to change his name. The, the, he was the leader of the Ernie Bacay band. And he said, why don't you change your name to Dino Martini? I like that. Um, right off the bat, Dean met another band leader named sammy dean um sammy dean got him to record his first recording got to change his name again and then got changed it to the name that we know now is dean martin dean was rejected by the army just like frank uh he was he was what do they call it f4f or 4F f4 F, yeah 4F. um from like a hernia he had when he was a child so now he's, like, locally,
4: you know, famous in Ohio. But he was also, again, p- compared to artists at the time like Ben Crosby and Perry Como. So a lot of – he didn't really have his own style per se yet no, he's in his still early a career. He's still a kid. He's still a kid. In 1943,
0: Dean got his first gig in New York City. It was a gig that Frank Sinatra canceled, and it was at a place called The Real Bomb-Bomb Room. 1943, Dean met Frank for the first time. They became paisans – you know, they lived a nightlife together in New York City. They spent all their money out all goddamn night. You know, here's you got Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin running around New York City.
4: They they got each other. You know? They kept pretty much come from the same kind of background. And it was really funny. He went to Dean Martin when he went to New York City. You know, he, he uh, you know, played some plays some places and everything like that. But he got really friendly with uh, comedian Lou Costello from Abbott Costello. And eventually Dean Martin's son married his daughter and actually Dean had a nose job done when he was 27 years old and that's when we would be paid by Lou Costello. I so this is, whole, this is before the whole this is before before the whole him meeting uh Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis yeah. and all that. Well, so imagine having, you know, back then having a nose job. It looks like something out of like, you know, Yeah, a, oh my god. Out of like the Batman movie with Jack Nicholson, you're in a basement and somebody's <laughs> just in there with some knives just cutting you up, you know. I I didn't see any of that. That's pretty interesting. In 1944, that's when
0: Dean first met Jerry Lewis at a coffee shop. They became fast friends. They just hang out with each other here and there. They enjoyed each other's company. In 1946, the two of them joined the stage for the first time at the 500 Club, the Motto's Uh, In uh, in Atlantic City, where Sinatra was playing. Jerry Lewis got him... Got Dean his big break there. Jerry was playing there, and motto thought he was getting a comedy team. He's like, "Oh, oh, I got a guy, I got a guy," and so he calls Dean Martin up, and he's like, "I, I need you to come and do this gig with me." You know, he's like, "I'm not a comedian." He's like, "I'll take care of all that. You just go up there and you sing, you be you,
4: and you know." Jerry Lewis got him up there, got him his big break. And their, their first gig was a bomb. They bombed their first gig. I think the motto hated. He hated. He, was, he, was, he hated. He was going to fire yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. But the next show they did. I mean, they you had to him. think, you know, um,
0: Jerry Lewis was 19. Dean
4: Martin was 29. You know, that's a big age group. Sure. And we, I think that they toured their whole career because you read a lot about their career. That had a lot to do with them breaking up, you know, because um, Jerry yeah. Lewis, his ego got really really Oh, yeah. Uh, really yeah. Bad. you know, and um, actually, you know, not to move forward a little bit, but. When these guys, they got so popular, like really fast, really right? fast. Like, like they got, they hit that Beatlemania, like really fast. They were huge. They would play like instead of trying to like play everybody in a club, they would set up on a fire escape and just do the routine on the street because of their popularity is so yeah. huge.
2: Um, I, I don't get Jerry Lewis, man. Really? I, I don't get his. I don't. He get must that. not be French. I, I don't like that. That goofy i don't know man nah, I, don't, I don't i don't like i don't like like adam sandler i like just that, that over the top like goofy yeah, yeah. physical zany comedy
4: i just don't get it i think he was my first taste in that 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 zany con- yeah. I, I, I always appreciated him you know um they became martin lewis they became this huge
0: nightclub act which dean martin was the star he was the main attraction of the nightclub life um he was a great singer obviously but when they start making movies Jerry Lewis became the star because all the kids start going out to see Jerry Lewis like they would go see Jim Carrey.
2: I watched a documentary on them, and the documentary said that um, Jerry Lewis was the organ grinder and Dean Martin was the monkey. That's
4: that's really like, <laughs> yeah. That's pretty smart. But going, you know, they start making movies or anything. So I read this piece of information that I thought was really, really, actually kind of brilliant. Okay, so outgrowing their cl- club circuit. They moved on the radio and television appearances, and were finally given a movie contract. The pair were let to Paramount. They were they were allowed to make one film a year outside the studio Paramount. So what they did, the first thing they did, they released a film called At War with the Army. Now this was released under their own company called York Productions. So instead of paying themselves, they received ninety percent. Of the royalties, of the royalties, ninety percent, ninety percent. Wow! So these guys were smart. So this really upset Paramount like tremendously. So even up into the eighties, I'm sorry, in into the seventies, this was still like kind of in core in this net. So when it came out the time for to redistribute the movie, it was denied
2: because they didn't. The studio didn't want to. The studio
4: didn't want to pay them again. Wow! So. It eventually became public domain. The film but imagine that. So here yeah. you go. You just signed this very this lucrative deal with Paramount Pictures. All you want to do is get on the movie screen. And even though they're on TV and this and that, they're huge stars. So they they take advantage of the situation of making their first film under their own Yeah. Under their own um their own their own company. Their own company under the Paramount umbrella. So they would receive because they're hot. They're like nothing bigger than the world. No, they were huge. I actually really admired that.
0: Yeah, you
4: know, from nineteen forty nine to
0: nineteen fifty six, they made sixteen films. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. That's
2: very prolific.
0: That's a lot. After they made sixteen films, they got their own TV show, The Colgate Comedy Hour. Um, It was kind of successful. It only had a few different um, episodes, and it it didn't do very well. Now it's it's time. Like Dean's, like I got to get away from this clown. I think Jerry's also like, I want to go make
4: movies. Well he was an ego. Jerry Lewis is an ego This is a we're great this is a great quote from
0: Dean. He's like, Two of the greatest turning points in my career were first meeting Jerry Lewis, second leaving was Jerry Lewis, becoming a joke instead of a singer.
4: Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny not to skip head, um, they had the uh the Jerry Lewis Telethon. So I think Sinatra was on. And without Jerry Lewis knowing this, Dean Martin came walking on the stage. And if you watch this performance, Jerry Lewis is not a happy guy. Really, not think, at so, all. I think he looks surprised.
2: Damn right, he was surprised. <laughs> I was listening to the um, the Rat Pack Live at the Sands album. It's uh, you can find it on Spotify. And at some point, there you know Dean Martin's playing and. Uh, I think it's Sinatra says something like, hey man, you better be nice or I'm gonna go call Jerry Lewis and get him to come out here and take a fight. <laughs> yeah. And Dean Martin yeah. just like, <laughs> that's not yourself. funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's play his Dino song.
0: Alright, cool. Can you play Ain't That a Kick in the Head? Like the fella once said, Ain't that a kick in the head?
3: The room was completely black. I hugged her and she hugged back. Like the sailor said, quote, ain't that a hole in the boat? My head keeps spinning. I go to sleep and keep grinning. If this is just to be,
4: But you know, I can understand why he wanted to get away from Jerry Lewis, man. Yeah, it was tired of being. Being I see Jerry at. Lewis on TV. I want to get away from Jerry Lewis. But you know, it's really funny. Uh, you know, Dean, Dean was not a big reader. He said he'd never really read. He only read one book in his life and it was black beauty. So, but he loved comic books. Dean Martin loved comic books, but he didn't want anybody seeing him going out and buying comic books. Cause he thought he would lose his cool persona that he had. So you get Jerry Lewis. to yeah, he'd, out have, get, he'd have people yeah. go out
2: and get him for him. So it didn't yeah. ruin his tough guy I, attitude.
4: I just thought that was, that was great. That Dean Martin loved comic books. Um, Dean tried to make his
0: first movie without Jerry, and it bombed. Um, it was very discouraging to to Dean. Then he started getting his music back on track. Playing, he started playing at the Sands in, in the Vegas. He was a huge hit in 1958. He made a, a huge movie with Marlon Brando and Montgomery Cliff called The Young Lions. It, this made Dino a motion picture star. It made him such a huge star. They gave him a role in a movie called Rio Bravo with John Wayne. He became like a serious actor after that. This is when the Rat Pack comes in.
2: Well, and his musically too. He was on Capitol Records at the same time as Sinatra. Like so, when he starts getting after Martin and Lewis break up, and he's he's kind of doing his thing. I thought it was interesting too. They said that his version of That's a sold a million copies back back
4: then. It's just yeah, that's that's that's. So when he was in that movie, uh, the Rio Bravo movie. It started with John Wayne and Ricky Nelson, so Martin and Nelson sang a duet on the film called "My Rifle, My Pony, and Me." Now that song was named one of the greatest 100 Western songs written of all time by the Western Academy. So here's Dean singing that, being uh, you know with Jerry Lewis and this and that, and then becoming like a drunky Dean or whatever you want to say. But now Curious singing a country western song, and it was recognized as being one of the greatest. One of one of the greatest country songs ever written. Yeah, for I a don't
2: movie. I don't know that song and I, I'm, no, I str- I'm to struggling it to even it's trying to, I'm it's struggling great. to try to picture Dean Martin no, doing great. A, it's a Western fantastic. song. That's,
4: and he recorded a couple other times without
0: Ricky Nelson. He made a lot of great cowboy movies, yeah. Dean Martin. He said he was great he was a great horse rider. This is right at the Rio Rio Bravo, we got Casa in Oceans Eleven. That's where we start hanging out at the Rat Pack. January twentieth, nineteen sixty. The first show at the Sands, it was a huge hit. We were talking about before how people were sleeping in their cars to catch the, the Rat Pack at the Sands Casino. Dino was was definitely the coolest one out of the Rat
4: Pack. I agree. I agree 100%. Um,
0: you know, he, he never kissed Sinatra's ass. He just kind of was
4: like, yeah, pal, I'm going to follow you, but you ain't the leader. He definitely held his own court. I can honestly say you know, that I definitely liked Dean Martin more in my life than I did Frank Sinatra. You know, I, I like his humor. I like his music. I like I liked
2: Sinatra more, and I admittedly haven't. I haven't listened to a whole lot of Dean Martin's music over my life, and I've, I've been listening to it a lot over the last two weeks as we're doing this show. And I, I was really enjoying it. I mean, I thought his um, some of the live stuff when they're going back and forth with the crowd, the like his his wit was like faster. He's a great showman. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I, I was really I was really digging it, and it's a shame, man, because he. I, I don't know, man. He's. He's one of those guys. I think he's. Baby, it's cold outside at Christmas time, and yeah. and yeah. the argument over is that offensive or not, and all that garbage. Yeah, and that's shame. Yeah, that's shame. Like, that's a shame like,
4: like, but he and that's a shame. Was he a good actor? Was he this? Yeah, was he, that? he was awesome. And and as saying that, you know, you know, Dean Martin was he known for? Drunky Dean right I would say he's a great actor because
2: that is a character that he invented that i didn't I didn't even know that until so yeah. you guys mentioned it in yeah. the, in the um, in, we were sharing our notes. He,
0: he was just as good as Charlie Chaplin, dude yeah,
2: yeah said so that he, he never like drank that, that whole thing about yeah. him like drinking and, and getting hammered all the time was just an act yeah. and they said that, you know like when the rat pack would all go out, he would be the dude kind of sneaking out the side door because like he wanted to go home. home to his wife and kids and yeah. yeah. wanted to
4: play golf in the morning he did yeah. like he didn't have a he's avid golfer you know
0: in the middle of Beetlemania. Everybody Loves Somebody knocked the Beatles off at number one. Everybody was calling Dean Martin the Beatle Buster. Let's hear that song.
3: Everybody loves somebody somehow Everybody falls in love somehow Something in your kiss just told me my sometime is now. Everybody finds somebody someplace.
0: Everybody knows that song. It's got like a coolness to it,
2: it. it. It's got like a like a '50s rock sound, like the drums in it a little bit. It just
0: got a, I don't know, it could, I could picture that being like a doo y kind of song. It's very classy.
4: Yeah. It has such a very classy sound on top of it. It's iconic. You know, it's really funny with that song. You know, that song knocked, as Ryan said, that song knocked the Beatles right off the chart. Yeah. It had a number one spot anyway. So, you know what Martin did? See, Martin sent a telegram to Elvis Presley and he said, if you can't handle the Beatles, I'll do it for you. Uh, buddy boy, or something like that. That's awesome. Yeah, dear I love. Elvis. I just love that. You know, it was say? It says,
0: "Dear Elvis, if you can't handle the Beatles, I'll do it for us." Yeah, it's uh, you got to appreciate the sense of humor. You know, yeah, and the ball breaking. Dean had a great career. He had seven gold albums after that. After uh, everybody loves somebody, Dean was so popular in 1965. They gave him his own TV show, the Dean Martin Show. Yo, NBC hooked him up. Like they gave him stock options, they gave him all this money. He didn't want to do it. He he was like no, and they were like no, we really want you to do it. He's like well, I want a hundred trillion billion trillion dollars. Like okay, you got it. Oh, I only want to work one day a week. Okay, you got it.
4: Um, his show was on for nine years. Yeah, he never went to rehearsals. He had somebody stand in for him. Uh, he's out playing golf.
2: He had um the the Stones were on that show too. There's a you can see the video of him introducing the Stones uh, on I the guy, this show. Bit, It's pretty wild.
4: Guy. But dude, that that's he made 34. He signed had a signing bonus for that in a couple of years to re to renew this show. He's paid 34 million dollars at that time. He was the highest paid entertainer wow. in the world.
2: His golf thing too. Like I I watched uh. In an interview with Jerry Lewis and he was talking about the golf and he said that um Jerry Lewis made all the business decisions in Martin and Lewis because he was golfing all the time and also because Dean Martin had ties to the mob, mm-hmm. he didn't want the mob influencing and so he was pretty much like I guess Dean Martin was like, Well if I don't get involved in the decisions, you can't you can't you know sounds pretty you smart to me. You, nobody can influence me, so you had you had Jerry Lewis do it all the time.
4: Mm-hmm. That's that's actually really smart.
0: You know, we also had the celebrity roast that was pretty popular. Yeah, those were great. Yeah, even watching the infomercials are hysterical. Yeah, watching some of that,
2: they're dated. They, I mean, some of them haven't aged very well, but they're still funny. Watching yeah, like they're, Don they're Rickles they're getting little, up.
4: Yeah, well, Don Rickles is just a classic. Yeah. You
0: but, know, Dino has a great, successful movie career after his TV series, and he's got the celebrity roast. Um, but Dino had a really bad tragedy happen. In 1987, Dean's son, Dino Paul Jr., was killed in an airplane crash as he was serving Air National Guard. They looked for his plane that crashed for five days. Dino kept hope, like, the whole time, hoping they would find his, him alive. Obviously, they didn't find him alive. Um, Dino was crushed by it. He couldn't even cope with his son' death. You know what
2: was weird? Frank Sinatra's mom died in a plane crash 10 years Prior, prior yeah. on the same mountain. The same no mountain. way. Yeah. 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 I didn't read that. Yeah. 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 So it's Dean Martin's son and Frank Sinatra's mom both died in plane crashes ten years apart on the same mountain. That's that's really so ironic. really crazy. So ironic. Yeah.
0: After that, Dean kind of just took the back seat to life. You know, he died on Christmas Day in 1995. He left the world with some great music. Is he's very unappreciative in in my eyes um he's always standing in the shadow
4: of somebody is it lewis or is it sinatra i don't know i think he's standing out by himself he he had i've read a lot about him and he had a really amazing right place at the right time now he had time. a
0: huge career you know he, he worked with huge, like t- he like, had a huge tv career
4: like he had like like some bs movies that were made like this one character i played matt helm i think he made like six films and if you all ever seen the movie uh was behind time in hollywood Sharon Tate's movie that she goes see and watch. It's that that's movie. A, Dean that, it's, that's movie. a Dean Martin movie, and uh, he actually worked with Bruce Lee on uh, some. He was his coordinator for his judo, oh. judo chops. But you know, with that being said, he's an American icon. He's a, he's he's. I think he's overlooked. You Dude, know,
0: his livelihood, his the liveliness he had, in, well, as he was performing, was is just. It's just so legendary. You watch it now and you say, "How cool can somebody be?" Yeah,
2: let me let me play a little bit from the Rat Pack live at the Sands because he does a song on there um, that it sounds like he's doing off the cuff or it's a parody of something else. It's called "I Love Las Vegas." Yeah, and he's ragging on Sinatra, and he his voice is just so smooth. It's just let me play a little bit of it. Oh, I love
3: Vegas. Because my money's here. I love Vegas when I'm winning. Mmm, I love it when I lose. I love Vegas like the Army loves its manuals. I love Vegas like Sinatra loves Jack Daniels. I.
4: He that's, just sounds so cool. That's He's top shelf, baby. Yeah. Uh, you were telling a story earlier about when Elvis came over to Dean Martin's house. I don't oh, know. yeah.
0: No, it was Dean took his kids to go see Elvis in concert. Dean is friends with Elvis. You know, um, they've met a few times. Um, they're very fond of each other. They go backstage, and Dean Elv- and, uh, Martin's little girl says... Here's Elvis, you know, prime time, and he looks down at her and he said, "You know, they call me the king of rock and roll, but your dad's the king of cool. Like, who? Like, can you imagine Elvis yeah. saying that I ain't shit and your dad's like everything? Yeah. And she was, she was like, I don't even know what my dad did, you know. <laughs> and but here's like, I'm, I'm a child, and Elvis is telling me that my dad's the king of cool. It's
4: awesome. You know. Yeah. That being said, like you know, Dean Martin is the only performer to be given three separate stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame for film, television, and music. He's the only one with all three. With all three, huh? That's well. well,
0: Dean's got a great story. He's part of the Rat Pack.
4: Yeah, he's a big part of the Rat Pack.
0: I think he's he's Uh, one of the better points. He's one of the better. He sells it. He's one of the better guys in it. Let's put it like that.
2: All right. Cool. So, you want to move on to Sammy, Sh- Dave, Sammy Davis Jr.?
0: Yeah, Mr. Show Business himself. Sammy was born December 8th, 1925. This man was in show business the day he could talk. You know, he never spent a day in school.
4: Yep. Yeah, I never went to school. You That's know? amazing.
0: Um, his uncle and his father had him dancing in their group, the William Mastin Trio, at such a young age, they were calling him a midget. They were said like a, he was a, a child. child They're saying, they saying he was a midget. That's funny. They were they were up and down, up and downtown. Like they were a huge act in Harlem. They're huge everywhere. A very young, very young Sammy Davis Jr. met Frank Sinatra, and uh, Frank pulls him aside. Yeah, like he, like he, mm. like Sammy was like ten years old and Frank was like eighteen, you know. And he was like, "Yo, kid, keep on doing what you're
4: doing because you got it." Yeah. You know, he was just born to be on stage. Like he's, a, he's another natural performer, and, and honestly, he might be one of the most, actually, the most talented guy in all these guys who were talking about. Dude,
0: he, he could sing, he could do he it, could it all. dance, he could play drums, he could do impersonations. He just had everything. You know? watch, watching a
2: lot of the videos of him doing the research for this, I could watch him tap dance sure. like for hours. Yeah, it's just it's just fascinating. Yeah,
4: you know, um, and he was like a, a quick
0: draw guy yeah there's footage of him yeah. playing around with a gun he's yeah. like tap dancing and twirling a gun at the same time and singing of course <laughs> you know it's like only <laughs> and he's doing
4: it with one eye <laughs> yeah. yeah and he control he control his gun in four tenths of a second and wow. shoot it yeah. that's pretty fast i don't know if he can hit anything because he has that one eye but. you know sammy was in
0: show business for like 25 years before he even got any recognition for anything you know sammy was playing like vegas here and there with his with his father and his uncle but you know once they were done on stage they had to leave the hotel
2: yeah they're they're headlining at the new frontier hotel and it was selling out and they were huge but they're dealing with all the same racist bs like they they had to stay in a really uh run down part of town they Mm -hmm. couldn't stay in any of the hotels that they were playing in really really crappy
4: yeah Yeah, it had to be hard you know it was a hard being an entertainer those days people love you on your stage but when you're not on that stage you gotta get lost you know it's. Very sad, you know. Um, Sammy's the only one that went into the army
0: out of the Rat Pack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was in one of the first integrated platoons. He said he got the shit beat out of them every day. Bunch of shit kickers, just like torturing them. Yeah,
4: they paint him a white paint and all that. Yeah, he yes. said
0: the only defense he had was doing impressions and or dancing, or he'd make all the white guys like laugh, and then all the black guys would hate him for it.
4: Yeah, his father really kept him away from. That side of humanity, of you know the racism and everything like that, you know, because he said he never experienced anything. It like is a that. shame. Like, man, it, there's, when, there's when some in the
2: army. There's some really sad, heavy racist things in his story. Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> sure. But when he gets out of the army, he gets back in the Will Maston trio. Yeah, and then Sinatra hires him to be his opening act. Yeah, and because Sinatra remembered it, just just cool. Yeah, I always said Sinatra looked at him as like a little brother.
0: I did too. Like, you know, and it goes into the next part of, of Sammy's story. Sammy was in a really bad car accident. The accident was so bad it took his left eye. He was taken to a hospital where the accident was not too far from his house, and it was a black hospital where you, you couldn't get any help for anything. Yeah, he was so, like
2: he was like in a, on a bed like in the hallway or something. Yeah, like to
0: see a doctor. Frank Sinatra was in like Palm Springs, and he and he heard about it. And he jumped in his car and drove about like 100 miles to get Sammy. So he drove 100 miles, got Sammy, drove back 100 miles, put him in his own house, and got him his own care. Obviously, they couldn't save his eye. But Sammy got the best help that Frank could get him that's friend i like you said like he always thought he was like his
4: big brother and he got he got him a card that was an eye chart he's like oh here he go. It said get well but it was set of like an eye chart and he was also kind of part of the like the
2: original rat pack that like bogart yeah. he, like he was hanging out with bogart and those guys but um yeah, he so, was yeah mm-hmm. but like when he after he loses an eye his eye i mean he starts he was doing shows like within 2 months he was back out he playing with an eye yeah, patch he, and they said that Sinatra and Dean Martin would get on stage and they would wear eye patches so they wouldn't single yeah. him out and you could see the video of um he goes back it was like w- less than a year he gets a a, a 2 week gig back at that casino the new frontier and he comes out on stage on opening night and he takes the eye patch off and it, it somebody recorded it yeah, and I've it's like it. and it's like it's pretty heavy man and you're just like yeah. wow and like you know he just stands there and the crowd goes Bonkers yeah. and they said by the end like everybody was crying yeah. and it was really cool. It was a yeah, really cool. Watch. I
0: I did see it. I didn't see that Yeah,
4: I, I'm going to nail.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, after Sammy's surgery, um, he taught himself how to dance again and got his got himself together and you know, he he went solo after that. And he he did pretty well. He was still getting a lot of racism from Hollywood. Um, he wasn't getting work because he was black. He wasn't he wasn't getting work because they were saying, "Oh, he wasn't a good dancer, or he wasn't—he wasn't better than this, or he was better than that." They were just giving him bullshit because he was a black guy,
4: and he had a lot of controversy around him. He was like going uncharted territory, you know. He, he had two interracial marriages. Yeah, like, it and, didn't help him out. Well, fuck them. You know, like I'm not going to change because they don't because they're going to book me. This is the person that I love, and this is what I'm going to do. And if you don't like it, then I'll somebody yeah, out there. Somebody else is going to want to see it. Yeah, you know? he married a woman named Molly Bricks. Yeah,
0: um, she was Swedish. She didn't understand the Rat pack.
4: She didn't. She didn't like how they would make fun of Sammy on stage. You know, I, I felt I seen some of that footage, and I we even br- briefly talked about it before we started the show. I don't know. You know, friendship is friendship and ball breaking is ball breaking. And like, if, you know, if you can't take it, then find better, good luck finding better friends. But again, you have to remember the times. I understand They're all first generation
0: American. Everybody made fun of everybody.
4: Yeah. But I think a lot of the times that he, he was used as the butt of the joke and you see it during the shows. And, you know, even though, you know, they, all these guys were, you know, pretty, you know, liberal for their time and spoke their minds and. Frank definitely did whatever he, whatever he thought yeah. was right. I still think that they played up to that during the live shows and made sure they pointed out that he was a black guy, pointing out that he was a Jewish guy, pointing out that well, he had one they, eye. You know? Well, like there's a part where
0: Sammy it's like, why are you guys always picking on me? And Dean Martin goes, you're black, you got one eye, you're Jewish. And you're short.
4: Yeah, no, I get it. You, you know, yeah, like, no, it's hilarious. Like you're, you know? you're a loaded gun. You know, but it's just, I do feel that they they use that as his ethnicity as a crutch for comedy. Well, to he keep was the show going. The, he was definitely the most talented out of all of them. No, and I think anything with that. Yeah. helped him
0: back was his color of his skin, which is yeah. bullshit.
2: The, the interracial relationships, man, that's. To me, where this this whole story of the Rat Pack just gets like so crazy because I mean yeah. he was so he got engaged to my Brit that that actress and she lost her record her studio contract yeah, yeah. over that they canned her and then um I said they were in London where where racism wasn't it's not as big as of a thing as it is in America as it was in America mm-hmm. at the time but they were there were people outside like heckling him calling him the N word yeah and they said he had to hire. Like around the clock security, yeah, was really shitty. But like the Kennedy, they asked him to postpone his wedding yeah. until yeah. after the yeah. election because they
0: uninvited him to the inauguration. The inauguration. Or, yeah, all the work that he did for JFK. Yeah, and then he said, "They said sorry, the N word. Yeah, you got you got to leave by the back door." And
2: he said, and she was like, "What?" Like yeah, it was like it. she was Swedish. She didn't get it. And she right didn't even understand. And he had his another like in the. Mid fifties, he started seeing Kim Novak, another mm-hmm. another actor who was like huge, and like at that time, like interracial marriage was still like it was illegal yeah. in like half the yeah. country, yeah. Yeah. and um, they were dating in secret. And they said that like if his if a driver was taking them somewhere, he would have to lay down on the floor of the car with a blanket over him so mm. nobody would see them together. Yeah, and um, what a horrible way to live. Yeah, they yeah. said he had to have like a private phone put in at the Sands so people wouldn't know that he was calling her, and the media found out. And then her movie studio found out, and the story is that like Columbia Pictures, man, the head Harry Cohen had ties to the mob, and he called in a hit on Sammy Davis Jr. for dating this I heard oh that. my my white act my white female actress who's the star, and that that um. Mickey Cohen went to Sammy Davis Jr.'s dad and was like, hey man, he better call this off. We're gonna kill him and we're gonna kill you too. Mm -hmm. And then uh, like, um, somebody from the Rat Pack went to Sam G and Kana and they asked, like, dude, can you can you help me? And he was like, I I don't have any reach in Hollywood. So Sammy then goes, like, they were like, Well, you better marry a black woman. Like, tomorrow. Or or you're gonna kill you. So he said he found like this woman, Laurel White, that he used to work with, and he offered her twenty five thousand dollars to marry him. And she was like, Okay. But he got um they got they, it, didn't last very long. They said, like, Sammy got really, really drunk. Oh, at, at the at wedding, wedding and he tried to strangle her. Yeah. That night, <laughs> they got divorced like really short after. But it was like somebody threatened to kill him over who he was dating. It's just like, it's, it's, you know, the, what a complicated,
4: it's so complicated. Right. And, like 1955, you know? man, wasn't, it, it wasn't no, that long ago. No, you know? no, I think no, about that often. Like, you think your dates and everything like that. I'm like, man, that's not that long ago. Yeah. But dude, we're also in 2021 yeah. now. Yeah. So after, it was long ago.
0: <laughs> after the JFK snub. He automatically started playing Martin Luther King gigs. Um, he got Frank to play with him. He got Dean to play with him. They raised a lot of money for Martin Luther King. Sammy starts doing Broadway. Sammy really loved the '60s. Like really loved the '60s. Yeah, he did. He he said he took acid. He he partied. You know, he did a lot of coke. Um, Crazy not to. There's some
2: weird sex stories about him, like that he was going to these group sex parties with JFK. And I'll I'll cut that out. I actually actually read that also. I read that also.
0: Yeah, you got to leave that shit in here. That's what makes it so special.
2: (laughs) They said that like there's rumors that he joined the Church of Satan. There was all kinds of really really crazy stuff with him.
0: You know what? That makes me want to hear Candyman. Can you play Candyman? Yeah, man. Sweet chocolate, chocolate, malt, candy, gumdrops,
3: anything you want come to the right man because i'm the candy man who can, who can take a sunrise sprinkle sunrise? it with you sprinkle it with you Ooh. cover it with chocolate and a miracle to the candy man the candy man who oh, the candy man can
0: That was a huge hit. I, dude.
4: Yeah, I, like I remember hearing that that version, that recording, very, very, very young. His like, voice has very a, that
2: vaudeville sound to it. Like when he holds a note, it's more like it goes up, and like ah! you know, it's like up and down. Where it's like yeah. Sinatra and Dean Martin, like they hit a pitch and they hold it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's just like a different. I could almost just see him like tap dancing. Like, yeah. ah,
4: but, that's his back, but that's his background. It's that vaudeville yeah. background. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know?
2: Just saying, it just you know, I don't, I don't know how far into his career that song
0: came out, but it's like you just it you was, know. it was for, it was like right after Chowing Chalk Factor came out. Okay, so, so you got to think it's like, oh, so yeah. came out was,
4: afterwards. Oh yeah, I was, oh, I, it I came it was in, before.
0: No, no, it came okay. in afterwards because the movie was such a hit. He's like, yo, I got to do this song, and they're like, really? He's like, yeah. no, this He's song like, yeah, could yeah be man, I thought, <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, baby, I thought
2: it was interesting too with his, um, the racial stuff too. Is they said like in uh, the '55, like he starts making money and he wants to move into Hollywood. And everyone's like, you know, you your your do neighborhood's it. down here. And he bought Judy Garland's old house. Yeah, And he said, like, everybody, like, the entire neighborhood was all white. And they were all like, what? You know, like, and he just didn't care.
4: Well, who doesn't want to live next to Sammy Davis Jr., man? That's a bunch that's of absurd. racist cra- white, white, white Americans. You, saw, you just saw him last night. You paid 80 bucks to go see him. Mean, you right. don't want to live next but you don't to want him?
2: You don't want him in your, you know. That's bullshit, man. I know. It's crazy. And it's like the Hollywood elites doing the same thing. It's not, it's, we talked about the the uh, Mississippi delegates from the 1960 election calling him names. And now you got, you got all these celebrities and he's still like, that's when he's hanging out with like Bogart. Like he's hanging out with all those
0: people. Yeah.
4: I don't know, man. I, it's, So like the
0: seventies roll around and Sammy's in movies. He's on TV. He was on All in the Family, which was a huge thing. That was like the
4: biggest kiss ever when he kissed Archie Bunker. Yeah, apparently the biggest kiss ever on television. Yeah, Yeah. so he was a big deal. No matter what color or whatever, yeah, it was like the biggest kiss ever.
2: So I didn't, I didn't have this in my notes, but right. So he was on an episode of All in the Family. And they're trying to get Archie Bunker to take a
4: picture with Sammy Davis Jr. Sammy left his uh, briefcase in Archie's cab because I guess he was driving a cab one time. So he comes over to get it, and apparently there was you know Archie's being Archie, being like narrow minded that he was that people found hilarious, which I find hilarious that people find bigotry hilarious. So, and um, Sammy just went and rolled with it, and it's like, oh, you you, you want to get a picture? And he's like, oh, or meet. Me had wanted to get a picture, or whatever, yeah. and then kisses Archie right on the cheek.
0: Yeah, yeah. I watched that. That was like one of the, the top things in America TV history. You know, um, like like I said, uh, Sammy was partying hard. Sammy was partying so hard, Bill Cosby had to give him an intervention. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now, no one and will now, we know no, now. It yeah, just... exactly. <laughs> and, no, yeah, oh yeah, he he he, he was doing all kinds of shit you know (laughs) by the 1980s uh sammy was a legend started to get the love and that he deserved he was a living legend um he got a tv special for his 60th anniversary in show business he couldn't sing because of his illness but got up and danced he died of throat cancer, didn't he? He died yeah. of throat cancer. Yeah. He got up and danced with Gregory Hines. I
4: remember that. I do remember it that. It was Kick. Ass. Yeah, I do remember that. I watched that. it this week. He was in a movie, wasn't he? In a it was movie? called
0: Tap. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I do
4: remember. Man, I do remember that. Yeah.
0: Sammy died owing millions to the IRS. Really? But I knew who Sammy was too yeah, from the Cannibal Run movies. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, was wondering I mean, when
4: we were going to talk about the Cannibal roll movies. I was movies. waiting for it too. I was but like, that was Sinatra's a, in those too. Yeah, that was the last time they all peered on camera together yes. the second film. Yes, Dean, funny. Sinatra, and uh, Sammy. Sammy, you know, Joey Bishop couldn't drive. He's definitely one of the if not
0: the talent, is one out of the rat pack, you know, I don't know who's more talented than he is. He's another one
2: that I he's being forgotten. These the first two we talked about, I mean, Sinatra is Sinatra, but even that, like, I mean, and Dean Martin, I think he's clinging on with a couple
4: Christmas songs, and we talked about I that. No, man, Dean Martin, really, do you think cool. do you think people know? Do you yes, think people know yeah, Dean Martin? I, I'm gonna say yeah. okay, but uh, w- before we uh close this with Sammy Davis Jr., one thing. That I found interesting. I, maybe his last wife that he was married to might have been black, and they were the first black couple to stay overnight at the White House in 1985. I want to say yeah, so he it, slept in Lincoln's bedroom. bedroom. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And again, like in 1985, five,
0: like it took yeah. that long for that yeah. to happen. Before we stop talking about Sammy, um, Sammy's got a really, really popular song. He didn't write it, obviously but it's called Mr. Bojangles.
2: Yeah, this was interesting when you were sharing some of the stuff about this. I'm I'm cur- I'm, I'm, looking forward to hearing this.
0: Yeah, let's play a little bit of the song first.
2: All right, let's set the stage. Here's some Mr. Bojangles.
3: In worn-out shoes With silver hair A ragged shirt And baggy pants He would do the old soft shoes He could jump so high. Jump so high. And then he lightly
0: touched down. So I'm gonna tell a story about Mr. Bojangles. I've heard that song before. That you said that's a cover? It is a cover. Um I can't tell you who does it off the top of my head. Okay. Um But yeah, but Sammy does a way better job, more justice to the words to it. Mr. Bojangles is a guy named Bill Robinson. Bojangles is Southern for mischief maker. He was a real hellraiser as a child. He had a group, uh, a a comedy routine group with a guy named Cooper, and they were called Cooper and, and Robinson. They were part of Harlem's golden age. Um, Harlem was like the place to be back in the 40s and the 50s. Mr. Robinson was the first black performer on Broadway. During the Depression, he paid a lot of people's bills in Harlem, took care of a lot of um, communities, you know, he, his first roles in movies. He played a lot of films were like below his intelligence. He played a lot of slaves, helpers, janitors, stereotypical characters. He was a very intelligent man. If you don't know who he is, if you ever see you ever see any Shirley Temple movies, yeah, he's the black gentleman that dances with Shirley Temple okay. in all the movies. He was in sixteen movies with her. He was had no children of his own, but he treated Shirley Temple like his own daughter. You know, on, in a movie, a black man holding a little girl's hand, a little white girl's hand dancing. That's a big, big step, you know, in all those years. In 1943, President Roosevelt demanded Hollywood to hire more black entertainers. Um, 20th Century Fox directed a movie called Stormy Weathers. Um, it was a huge black cast led by Bill Robinson. It was a huge success. The stormy weather got him back in his tux that he's usually in one his Harlem dance nights, showing probably how truly his personality was being milestone. He was a movie star. He had many friends, including Ed Sullivan, Milton Berle. When he died, oh, before he died, on his 61st birthday, he had a party dancing down 61st Street in New York City. It was a World's Fair, and billions of people came out and watched him. When he died... Um, he died of a massive heart attack at really young age. He wasn't even, like, 60. A million and a half people showed up to Mr. Bojangles' funeral, straight out to Harlem, to Brooklyn. He he died penniless. Ed Selvin paid for his funeral. Check this out. His ball bearers for his coffin were Duke Ellington, Joe Lewis, boxing champion, Bob Hope, Jackie Robinson...
4: And Joe DiMaggio. It's pretty amazing. And I don't That's know, know anything the, about yeah, the guy. And that just shows how much effect he had on America or pop culture or no. entertainment at in his life yeah. span.
2: And that song, man, I, I I listened to it. I said I have heard it before. I thought Jim Croce had done it, but it was it's actually, actually
4: a, a
0: guy named Jerry Jeff Walker.
2: Yeah, who sounds like Jim Croce. But definitely the, the Sammy Davis version's like it's it's sad sounding
0: well sammy said he hates singing it towards the end of his career because it reminded of himself so much he's like i'm turning into this character
4: i agree with that i see that yeah
0: you know it was like a sad ending for him because he, he knew how it ended really but yeah i always heard the name mr bojangles but i wanted to know who he really was yeah very cool yeah, I like to do that kind of stuff on the show. Yeah, like,
2: man, you did it last with the U2 one, too, with yeah. the, um, the Satan and Adam stuff. Right? I, I
0: just always try to find something interesting. Yeah, the little
2: nuggets, man. That's why we're here, to educate and entertain. Yeah. So I think that's, that's the big three of the, the Rat Pack, right? So we got two more guys to talk about. And, yeah, let's talk
0: know. about um, Peter Lawford.
2: Peter Lawford was a pretty interesting person. He was somebody I didn't... I didn't really know almost anything about. And I, I did a little bit of research on him and, um, you know, pretty, pretty interesting dude. Late on us, Bruce. He was born in like a scandal.
0: So his yeah. uh, his parents were, his dad was an officer in the British military, I believe. Peter moved around a lot growing up. Um, the scandal was, had something to do with with his parents being broke like they they act like they had money but they were really broke and like lived off their person their reputation I believe but once they the socialites found out they were broke they were blacklisted
4: so they're basically playing the part of like oh we're we're, rich. we're wealthy we're yeah, wealthy and, and, and we don't have anything and they and, weren't
2: married it, when they were born Okay. or when they when they had him mm. so and I guess when he was some sort of military uh higher up and so they had to go to they moved to America
0: yeah um you know peter didn't finish high school either like a lot of the rat pack like all the rat packers um he did a lot of jobs working as a teenager peter was working at a country club at one point he was parking cars and he was taking a break he was hanging out with the black help he he, you know he's english he doesn't know any difference he doesn't care about racism and one of the uh people that belonged to the country club got really pissed off that he was hanging out with these black guys. Try to get him fired. Tried to get him fired. And you know who it was? Joe Kennedy. His future father-in-law. Yeah, Joe yeah. Kennedy. It's like 15 years after that, he'd be his father-in-law. Peter was basically, pl- how they called, plucked off the streets of Hollywood. It was obvious that he was English. Um, so Hollywood had a role for him in like basically every film yeah, they had everything.
2: It's like I mean English Yeah, because everybody get him. they needed. Yeah, because yeah, everybody was off yeah. to, at the war.
0: Yeah, and so they That's needed. True. Yeah, yeah. I mean, while everybody was at the war, you know, Peter is partying Hollywood. That's when he meets Frank Sinatra. Um, at this point, Peter is a bigger, bigger star than Frank. At this time, when they first met, Peter was a huge um, movie star, and Sinatra was like on the down low at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, like like on that down part of Sinatra's career
2: well he like when he gets into movies, his mom decide like his mom borrows money from like a friend and they move to Hollywood and tries to get him into movies and when he gets a the studios all need uh, British actors for their movies because they're trying to make war movies too, because it's that's going yeah, on, yeah. and they don't have any British actors, and his mom starts insisting that. She get hired as well to be his manager. And the guys at MGM are like, No, no, we're not doing it. So she goes she goes right to the head of MGM and says, Oh, my son's um a homosexual and you need to hire me because I need to keep it you need to keep an eye on him because he's gonna do all this crazy No shit. Homosexual, is she the shit bag of the week? All this homosexual stuff because, you know, God forbid what, what they're doing. So yes. yeah, so you know, which is which was fabricated. He does wind up getting the the contract and then he doesn't he's not in the war because he's also 4F because he had a, a deformed arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He hurt his arm or something. He said like run into a glass door or something. Yeah,
0: but he was didn't stop him from making all those war films. Yeah, was in.
2: yeah. Um, but yeah, he was. You're right. He was like making all these movies. He was like a playboy. He was, yeah. He was good looking yeah. and he was hanging out with all these stars and yeah. he was hanging out in Vegas and all the cocktail lounges and stuff before the red, The other guys all get oh, there.
0: Yeah. Um, his big break was it happened in Brooklyn. That's was when Peter. Sinatra's first film together. They, it, was, it was like gangbusters. It was a big hit. Peter was credited for his dancing and singing in the film.
2: Peter Lawford was dating Ava Gardner, and Frank Sinatra was having an affair with Lana Turner. Lana Turner wants Frank to leave his wife. Frank won't do that, so he calls off the affair with Lana Turner, and then he falls in love with Ava Gardner. Wow. So he's kind of backstabbed Peter Lawford here.
4: Dude, from what I understand, Peter Lawford, out of this whole story... Gets a short end in stick from everything from Everybody his mother, yeah. his mother to whoever he's dating to the Joe Kennedy, the Sinatra. To Sinatra, to Sinatra. Yep, boy, keep yeah, on
0: he going. Gets, he yeah. gets
2: shafted here a lot.
0: Let's just jump into it. You know, he yeah. married into the Kennedys. Um, Patricia Kennedy, her father was not happy that he ma- that she married an Englishman. Like I said, Joe Kennedy's a piece of shit. Um, he's a shit bag of the week. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, oh, you're marrying a Brit and an actor. Ugh. Yeah. So, oh, G-
4: Joe, how'd you get your money? Oh, I, I smuggled booze. I bootlegged boot boot yeah. everything. All right,
0: Joe. Well, Joe, you know, Joe's the one that forced Peter to get his friends to campaign. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. Kennedy. Yeah. Um, so Peter he start- just used man. P- Peter start using everybody else. Good. Peter start using people to to to, to uh, campaign for Kennedy. You know, Peter Lawford was the first one that owned the script of Ocean Eleven. Yeah. I didn't know that. He, he sold it to Sinatra. Very nice. They made the movie, they became quick friends. They were uh together at at the sands every night. Peter played the bartender while everybody was singing or, or like that. He was just happy to be there.
2: Um Yeah, Lawford uh, got a cut of Ocean's Eleven. And he and got the start. Yeah, yeah he, he gets the the script or a friend of his wrote it and he goes to Sinatra Sinatra pitches at the Warner Brothers and then Sinatra lands them all. Yeah. Gigs and he throws Peter Lawford a bone by giving him like one of the lead roles yeah. for, for doing that. Yeah. Yes,
0: We were talking about how Peter got the shaft after JFK wouldn't stay with Frank Sinatra mm-hmm. from the Rat Pack. You know, Peter's career went downhill, but Peter had a really good thing going with Jimmy Duranzi. He had uh, a, a TV show with J- the Jimmy Duranzi. Um, you know, you know who Jimmy Durante is? Yeah, that's... They were really, like, like really close, like, father and son. They had really success together. Yeah, I felt I felt bad for Peter Lawford through this whole story. Yeah. Just, Just hearing all down. this, man. Yeah. yeah. Said he was, um... So JFK, you know, he was a big womanizer. And we all know he was with Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, that was actually what I was gonna yeah. talk about. Um, JFK would use Peter's house to bang Marilyn. And, like, you know, Sneak in and sneak out of his house while he was the president. That famous of, of
2: her singing "Happy Birthday" at JFK's forty fifth birthday. Yeah, he introduces her. You oh, wonder, Peter like, Lawford yeah, does. Like, yeah, like you know, Oh yeah. no, shit.
0: So yeah, I mean, Peter gets exiled from from the Rat Pack because JFK wouldn't stay with with uh, Frank in California.
4: Well, that and also, you know, like you know, Kennedy turned his back on Sinatra and you know got him in trouble with the mob and this and that so yeah he cut all of his ties with everything he had to do with unfortunately he was one of them cut whole ties he also really he blamed himself for
2: marilyn monroe's suicide i, I did read that Who, Lough- Lough- did? Yeah, yeah i think he um why i think she was staying at his house a week before she killed herself and she tried to commit suicide at his house and
4: he did nothing about and
2: it. and they whatever and then she went home and then six days later she committed suicide yeah and he, he always he felt that always, guilty that yeah, he didn't do anything yeah
0: yeah, because he knows that his brother-in-law <laughs> took care of her. Seriously. Yeah. 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 Who knows? He's yeah. he's probably scared for his own life.
4: Can you really? imagine this guy? He's he he's got the shirt on his stick. Man. He
0: did. Everybody used him, from Joe Kennedy to Sinatra. I think the only person that didn't use him was Dean Martin and Sammy Davis.
2: Yeah, yeah. and especially if the story's true that like his wife was sleeping with Sinatra, too. It's just, yeah. you know, like...
4: And who, Pat Kennedy?
2: Yeah, the rumor was that Pat Kennedy was, was really having an affair with Sinatra. Were they married? <laughs> Sinatra slept
4: with everybody. Yeah. Were, were they married yeah. throughout their whole yeah. lives?
2: Yeah. I don't know if they I don't know how I, long they were married. I don't know. You know was they that, were married at the time matter. that was going yeah, yeah. on. Yeah,
0: yeah. Was that like the revenge thing? Like I don't know. Like you, they said you screwed me out JFK, now I'm going to screw your wife. They
2: said apparently the FBI had a recording of Sinatra going like, "Yeah, I'm banging her." Was telling mm-hmm. Sam Giancana like, "Oh, I'm banging her to get get in favor with JFK," mm-hmm. which is just like Come on, man. Peter Lawford died in, like, 1984 of liver and kidney disease, probably all the hard... All these
4: guys died of liver disease and fucking, A lot of
2: hard hard living, man. Right. Throat throat cancer. cancer. Right. So we don't have any songs to play by him because he he wasn't a singer. But he was, like Ryan said, he was on the stage a lot on those Rat Pack shows. They actually set a bar up on the stage while they were doing their thing, and he would always be there kind of mixing the drinks and kind of
4: hanging out.
0: He would get up and do, like, spoken word like in his English accent, Yeah, and everybody get a kick out of it. Yeah. yeah, he would just read the drink menu, and everybody
4: would be like, "Oh, that sounds so <laughs> nice."
2: So we got one more person in the Rat Pack to talk about, and that's Joey Bishop. Mr. Joey
0: Bishop is from South Philadelphia, not too far from where we're at right now. Um, he had a, his father had a bike shop on Seventh and Snyder.
2: That's like walking distance That's, from where yeah, we are. Yeah, it's not yeah. too far from here. I, didn't, I never far. knew that, that yep. he was at. That yeah. he was from yep. South he was Philadelphia. Guy.
0: Joey Bishop was a great comedian. Even as, as a kid, he would make everybody laugh at school, and he had a great reputation.
4: Yeah, I think he went to South Philadelphia High School, didn't he? Yeah, I think he did. I think he's the only one that graduated high school actually,
0: out, of, out of all those dudes. I,
4: actually, he didn't graduate from high school. He dropped out his last semester. Before his last semester started, oh. his senior year, he dropped out. What a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You only have a couple more I months know. to go. But anyway, Bishop went into the
0: army, and he and he made first rank special service squad, which is a big deal. Yeah, it was like, like he he was like in charge of a bunch of men. Yeah, you know, he's a smart guy. He was he was a very smart guy, who had who Joey Bishop gave one of his first starts was Regis Fieldman. Yeah, he had a talk show with Regis.
4: It was the Bishop show, or Joey Bishop and Regis show, or something like that. Uh, uh, yeah, the Joey Bishop show, and I think it gave the Carson show Run for It's Money. It was like his its competitor show really for, for a few years. Yeah. Well before
0: that show, um he was guest host Tonight's show. He guest host Joey Bishop guest host hundred and seventy five times on Tonight's show. Yeah within five between seventy one and seventy six. Yeah,
4: that's crazy. I didn't know that until we started doing research on yeah. this. Yeah. He was quite accomplished.
2: The, the story about that he gets into the rat pack was interesting too because um Sinatra was working on Oceans 11, and he was the subject of a Friars Club roast, Mm -hmm. and one of the roasters bailed out, so they asked Joey Bishop to fill in. They said Joey Joey Bishop just, Sinatra loved it, yeah, Yeah. and was just, thought he killed it, and then uh, was like, this kid's gonna be a star, this guy's gonna be a
4: star, and asked him to be in Oceans 11. Well, he had his first stage debut opening for Sinatra. Oh, okay, okay. But that's what's funny, with all uh, these other guys involved in here, they all started out opening for Sinatra
2: yeah you know? yeah yeah, they yeah. I guess in the Rat Pack show he was like the MC he would be like the introduction yeah. and kind of the. Like well, they ceremonies. said that Joey
0: Bishop wrote all the song I mean the, the, they say Joey Bishop wrote all the jokes that those guys were saying on stage he would be like whispering into their ears as the routine was going on who knows what he was telling them to say and who you know they were saying so much crazy shit on stage I wouldn't be surprised, like, half of the things that they were saying, Joey Bishop told them to say. Hey, it's, enter- it's entertainment. It probably did happen. You know, there was one time, you know, Frank Sinatra was like, give me a joke. Give me a joke to say, because I-, I feel like I'm not saying anything. Joey Bishop, all right, here, say this joke. Say it like this. Okay, does it. Frank Sinatra goes out there, does it. The joke bombs. And he goes, Joey, what's up? He's like, Frank, you're not funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. But Joey Bishop, South Dilly's own. Yeah. I heard,
2: I've read a couple other little minor things on him. Um, Sinatra asked him to fill in at his, uh, the lodge, the the casino that Sinatra owned in Lake Tahoe, Lake Tahoe. I'd love to go to Lake (laughs) Tahoe. Joey Bishop said he would do it, but he wanted $50,000 in a private jet. And Sinatra doesn't like other people telling him what to do. So they kind of boot him out of the rat pack. And, um, they drop him from Robin and the Seven Hoods, the movie, and wow. then they cast Bing Crosby to play that role instead. Cool. Joey Bishop was also the last one to die out of the Rat he Pack. Was, he died yeah. in two thousand seven. Yeah, wow. and um, I guess in the last years of his life, I, I read some interviews with him, and he uh, he was he was getting kind of bitter. He said he was the star of the Rat Pack, and everyone else, being a part of that group overshadowed everything that he did. And I mean, I guess that's a fair point, man, because out of everybody, he's he's. Yeah, he's the last one we're doing, we're talking about, sure. you know?
0: Yeah, but he, you know, like I said, he was a cornerstone of a talk the show. Behind the
4: behind-the-scenes guy. Yeah. 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 Definitely, like like Ronnie said, like, he definitely wrote a lot of jokes for the guys. But you're, you are you got to look like who you're going up against. Let's be, oh, yeah, let's sure, be realistic sure. here. You got Sinatra, Dean Martin, and Sammy Davis Jr. How, How do, do you stand up against yeah. those guys? Yeah. You could be the, he, and he probably is the funniest guy out of all those guys. But, come on. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sorry, He definitely Joey.
0: played Little Fiddle.
2: As we were talking, I typed in Joey Bishop and Spotify, and mm. there's an album listed here. Play some. It's called Joey Bishop sings country western. Nice. Only three of the, you know, they have like that little rating system, yeah, yeah, yeah. and none of the songs have more than one bar. So, all right, I'm just gonna yeah, entertain pick, us. Pick something. I hope it's fantastic. This is called "Take These Chains from My Heart."
3: me
1: free.
3: You've grown cold. I no longer care for me.
4: Sounds like a South Philly guy singing. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon <of> me. <laughs>
2: so that's uh that's Joey that's Bishop. That's Joey Bishop.
4: So that's, South Philly's own Joey Bishop. That's the rat pack, man. So that was
2: a that's a crazy story. Man, and, what a and, bunch of stuff there. Yeah, really cool, man. I really enjoyed doing yeah, these. Yeah, this uh, the one was fun. On this one, this so. one was a lot of fun. So, we got some um, we got some listener feedback. I think Ryan has actually heard from Omar.
0: I have heard from Omar. He sent this. He sent me an email.
2: Awesome. Maybe while you're pulling that up, I got a couple things on our U2 episode. So, uh, Sean from Atlanta said, uh, I have watched Rattle and Hum a million times. I had it on VHS. The Joshua Tree was also the first album where you two really spent their money on production. Their prior albums were much more simple, which to me brought out their very best of their sound. Many people will say Joshua Tree is their best album ever. I really think it's potato, potato. It's all great music. Okay. Totally agree. And then uh, Scott Dribben, who is uh, constantly uh, commenting on our stuff on Facebook and uh, listens to us, said, uh, The Joshua Tree is without a doubt the cassette I wore out the most copies of. Hell, I wore out several copies of Rattle and Hum on VHS. The Joshua Tree is on my short list of perfect albums. The Unforgettable Fire is a really close second. I can't think of a track on either one of them that isn't damn near perfect i agree man joshua tree yeah. is a perfect album yeah so, absolutely was, i really enjoyed
0: doing that episode yeah that was a lot of fun so yeah, yeah i still listen to a lot of the joshua tree afterwards i, I did like, too i did too yeah really enjoyed it get enough of uh one tree hill so omar omar um to our listeners if you don't know who omar is omar is our friend from kapur india um he listens to our show and he gets in contact with us every once in a while to tell, him, tell us how he's doing. We became really good friends with Omar. Um, just, let me see what it says here. Starts off. Hello, friends. It's me, Omar. I've been working overtime, but been listening regularly. There is a Hall of Fame of rock and roll. This was something I had to look into. Some members of this Hall of Fame are not rock and roll. I agree with you guys. Why is Abba in a Hall of Fame? I don't know. We're trying to figure that out, too, brother. I can't believe you guys never heard of fella Kuti. Do you guys live underneath a rock or something? Dionne Warwick is a huge star in Kapoor, India. She should be in the Hall of Fame. If ABBA is in the Hall of Fame, then she should be in the Hall of Fame. Wow. Just to put on the record, the Foo Fighters is the greatest band that ever was. Monkey Wrench reminds me of my pet monkey, Little Mick. They share the same energy. I wish he would stop throwing glasses and plates at me. I met a woman online that seemed interested in me. I just got to give her my bank account number, and she will put $100,000 in it. Something seems funny about this whole thing, but, yo, you guys got to see her. She's gorgeous. What do you guys think I should do? Well, let me get back to work. Hope you all live in the best life you can. See you guys around. Keep on rocking, Omar.
4: Omar, don't give anybody any of your information. Yeah, don't do that, Omar.
0: Omar, I don't care how hot she is. Don't give her any money, dude. Yeah. But All it's right, good well, to hear from you, brother. Yeah, man. Nice to
2: listen to you. I'm sorry that ABBA is so popular.
4: So when we were talking, you were talking that you reached out to one of our podcasts yeah, from so, Pantheon? Yeah, so
2: I made a mistake. So you know, there's another uh, there's another podcast on the Pantheon Network, and our show is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. There's a podcast, another show on there called Make It Stop, a bad music podcast. And they every episode, they take an album or a, an artist, and they just burn it down, they destroy it. It's very funny, the stuff that they do. But I, somehow, I could have swore that they did an episode on Kate Bush. (laughs) So I went on Twitter, and I at-mentioned them from our account at Prisoners of Rock, and said, you know, we just did an episode on the Rock Hall, and we covered each nominee, and we thought of you when we talked about Kate Bush, because we all trashed her. We were going to kill one of her songs in our electric chair segment, but we didn't want to play any more of her music. And they wrote back and said that they are all massive Kate Bush fans. They asked me if I was being sarcastic, and they said that Kate Bush is on par with David Bowie in Prince for Them.
4: Erroneous.
2: <laughs> they said uh, she's honestly one of our most sacred music heroes, so... What the
0: fuck is she
4: smoking? So
2: we we apologize. <laughs> we I do, said, we
4: apologize. <laughs> I
2: said that was my uh, Mandela effect moment. Um, I,
4: I, I, hey, send us some music Why you think she is, like... People Please. send this music, and people. I don't, don't, I don't want still, to hear anymore. And we music. still don't get it,
2: lady. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Good man. luck with that. So I just wanted to own up to that. So if you guys listen to us, uh, we we apologize. So the electric chair. Oh, we are here at the electric yeah, chair. Yeah, so we finally made it to the electric chair. So Ryan, I believe it is your turn to kill a song this week. Yes,
0: um, the song I've always hated, even though I'm a bartender and I should love the song, Semisonics. Closing time. Uh, how many times do you guys hear this song at the
2: bar? Ugh. Every night at closing, some, yeah, some.
4: Sometimes I wish I played at nine o'clock at night.
2: <laughs> Is this like a, somebody put this on in the jukebox at the end of the night every, I, every dude, day? I don't
4: w- think it makes it. I think we just dude. I s- turn it down. I've always hated
0: the song. I hate how he sings. The words suck. And you always got like some white chicks at the end of the fucking night. Yeah,
4: yeah we go home. It Sounds just like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come on, sing right. it. Ugh. Killing time. We Well, it's your you last call. To death.
2: Uh, yeah. Uh. That was a good that was a good choice man that's a rough song so that's it man for episode 14 so thanks to everybody who's been listening to us out there you know we we love hearing all your feedback you can check us out we're on Facebook we're on Twitter you can get more of all of our episodes we're on Spotify Apple Podcasts any platform where you listen to music you can also check us out at prisonersofrockandroll.com as I mentioned earlier, we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast Network. I thought it was pretty cool that a uh, Christian Swain, who is the narrator and the man behind uh, Rock and Roll Archaeology, followed us on Twitter this week. That's oh, awesome. awesome. Hopefully, That's hopefully our- he listens to us. We're a huge fan of his work. Huge fan. Really, really cool. Um, you know, if you want to hear some of the music, we we publish playlists to go with every one of these episodes. So we pulled together all this stuff from the Rat Pack man. There's some really, really cool stuff in here. Check it out man it's on Spotify and Apple Music definitely go listen to it you know and again special th- special and lastly special lastly man i had too many i had too many Jack Daniel's too, tonight t- too many martinis <laughs> yes loosen my bow tie lastly bingo, bingo. special shout out to mike cianci for helping us publish all these playlists and you know of course to all of you guys for constantly listening to us uh we'll be posting something on social media soon we got some we got some merch finally we got some yeah, prisoners yeah, of rock and roll yeah. stickers so we'll be spreading a good word and we'll we'll be happy to share some with everybody we'll figure out how to do that easily so that's it, man. We'll be back in two weeks. We're going to figure out uh, what we're going to talk about next. And to play you guys out, we're going to play a
4: little New York, New York. All right, later on us. Keep on rocking. Yeah. Keep on kicking. Peace out.
3: Start spreading the news I'm leaving today I want to be a part of it New York, New York